welcome back to another rousing episode of Tell Us What's in the Box. What's in the box? There are so many boxes this time. There are 25 boxes. 25 boxes, boxes each. So yeah. Danny and I, we wanted to do something special because this is our 25th episode. We Holy crap. I know, right? We've almost been doing this for a year, but... We already know what we're doing for our one year, but sh- it's a secret. We're not going to tell you just yet. We may not ever until that episode comes out. Who knows? But for this episode, we are each going to go through our top 25 horror media. So it's our mix of books, movies, video games, comics, short stories, basically everything we already cover on our podcast. But most likely we're going to be talking about stuff that we haven't dedicated in episode two yet. And I don't know about you, Danny, but my list, not only was it really hard for me to put them in order from 25 to one, because they all have, they're all very amazing and special in their own way broadly and to me personally but I noticed a lot of patterns with mine do you yes yeah <laughs> I don't know if you saw the same thing I with you. did I learned about myself mm-hmm. I learned about myself yeah that was me going through like oh my god I have a lot of vampire shit on here oh Ooh. yeah see okay the other thing is folks we don't know what each other wrote yeah like we have no idea what each other's list. We have is, no so. idea. We could have totally different lists. We could have some. It'd be cool if we had something that was the same. You know, I don't even. I have a feeling we might. We might have we something. Might. Maybe a few that's the same. I will laugh hysterically if our number one is the same, which we will find. I don't think it will be. Okay. I don't, I don't, I don't think it will be because I know what my number one is. And I think I know, you know, well enough to say that it's not the same. Okay. We'll see. Yeah. We'll see. All right. (laughs) I'm excited. But yeah, this was very hard. This was extremely hard. So I went with things that like, rather than trying to like subjectively order all of media, I went for things that me, this is me. I mean, it's all lists are, but these are me. These are things that I love. Um, that and I kind of when I first started the list I kind of went what immediately comes to mind and wrote those down because I figured those were the things that really had an impression on me um, at various points mm-hmm. so yeah so yeah same I kind of did like when I was coming up with stuff for my list like first I kind of I put them into the same categories that we do when we're planning our our episodes. I'm like, okay, so here's all my favorite games. Here's all my favorite movies, books, blah, 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 blah. And then I kind of went through there and then I, I gauged my emotional reactions to them. So if there was anything that that I went, oh, I like that, I took it off because there was always something that was like, oh my God, yes, I fucking love this. And so yeah. that- made it on to the list the so when it have that Sweet. strong of a reaction so <laughs> awesome anyway without further ado um since joanna intro joanna introduced us all to this first. i'm going first i'm going first so we're gonna do 25 through 21 and uh for my list coming in at number 25 is Dust Till Dawn. Oh! I love Tarantino. I know he can be kind of a dickhead in real life. I've heard lots of stories, but I love Tarantino. He wrote this. I love Robert Rodriguez. This movie just has, it's 25th, so it's the last on my list, but like, 
I love Gork. Tom Savini makeup. Oh, I mean, Tom Savini master. makeup. Yeah. Bow, let us all, we're not worthy. <laughs> Tom Savini's in it. Sex machine, you know, gun. Just the whole, have you seen Dust Hold On? Long time ago. Long time ago. A while, okay. Yeah. George Clooney, Quentin Tarantino. I mean, just everything about it. Like you have this pre-shooting vampires with a cross gun <laughs> thing that he changed. I mean, Salma Hayek with the snake, you know, and of course, Quintina had yeah. to put his foot fetish in there. I love it. <laughs> you know, it's just the over the top, you know, just this, just the, the blood and the gore and the surprise of it turning into this vampire movie. And, you know, just, I love it. So oh, it yeah. came in at number 25. Number 24, Tucker and Dale versus Evil. Ooh, that one's a good Ooh. one. <laughs> <laughs> I love, okay, you'll, you'll find that I have a lot of horror comedy on my list as we get further into it. I love horror comedy. And Tucker and Dale versus Evil, just, I literally, tears of laughter. I just, I hurt from laughing so hard <laughs> watching this movie. I mean, I love horror and they just played on the tropes. They just played on everything that was kind of great about it and twisted it around. You know, what if the people you suspect are the, you know, the hillbilly hick cannibal, you know, things? What if it wasn't? What if there are protagonists? Like, what if, what if it's just this big misunderstanding, <laughs> you know? And, and I just, I loved it. I loved it. You know? They're, they're putting stuff in the wood chipper the guy throws at them as the guy's bending down and throws himself into the wood chipper just oh god like horror comedy <laughs> is just a league onto its own yeah i love it i loved it so that came in at number 24 number 23 maximum overdrive hell fucking oh, yes yes <laughs> ACDC, Emilio Estevez, coked out Stephen King directing. <laughs> like, seriously, like, you know, I mean, someone was talking about doing a remake of it. And my joke was that, well, it'd be tough to get the original director of the movie, Cocaine. Because <laughs> really, and it's just, you know, just in these trucks. And I mean, yeah. just the whole thing. Brought to you by actually, Cocaine. <laughs> Cocaine, directed by cocaine, because it really was. And Stephen King never directed anything again, which was probably a smart move on his part. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah uh, so it was pretty great. It was pretty great. That came in at number 23 for me. I actually went and saw it on my birthday in the theater for the first oh. time a couple of years ago. Yeah. Um, so nice. it was fantastic. They had a little, I went to the Alamo and they had this maximum overdrive drink and everything and they showed the movie and like there were dudes there in like ACDC shirts like it was fans coming to see that movie like Hell who yeah. else is gonna go see Maximum Overdrive in the theater well me yeah. but whatever <laughs> and it was my birthday because I have the same birthday as Stephen King as I've probably mentioned before so they were showing it in honor of Stephen King but to me it was in honor of Danny yes. so <laughs> number 23 Maximum Overdrive 22, Cabin in the Woods. Ooh, yes. <laughs> oh, oh. Man, every <laughs> horror fan, that movie, 
Yeah, just, I mean, just so much. It's so meta. It's such a love of the genre. Mm-hmm. It really is. I mean, I always wanted to see a merman. You know? <laughs> I mean, uh, Whitley, Brad, Bradford, uh, Whitley, Bradford, Bradford, Whitley. Yeah. Yeah, from the West yeah. Wing. Um, yeah, Chris Helmsworth. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, just, I mean, just brilliant. Just absolutely brilliant. And like, you know, if you sit there and you're a horror fan, you get the references, oh, yeah. like all the creatures that are in there and everything that's going on and like loved it, loved it, loved it. And the ending, you know, like fantabulous. So that came in at number 22. I almost put that on my list, but I didn't. You did almost. I almost yeah. put that on my list, but I didn't. All right. <laughs> and for my final, for my first section, people are going to argue with me and think this should be higher. But it's your but, personal list. But it's my yeah. personal list. Number 21, classic alien. You're dumb. It should be higher. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're dumb. It should be higher. No, that. Oh, Yeah. Yeah, Alien. I mean, I, do I really need to go into why it's like a fantastic? Horror? No, and it's a case in point of like, this is why you listen to the woman. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I mean, just from everything from the performances to the tight fucking script, just absolutely brilliant. Yeah. Absolutely brilliant. So really had an effect on me when I first saw it. Really, really, really did. Um, so that came in at number 21. So those are my first five. Ooh. All right. Yeah. My first five. Okay. Now I'm, I'm ready to hear. Oh my. Hear All right. So number 25, this might be a short story that people aren't familiar with and people who are familiar with it might go, that's sci-fi. That's not horror. And I would argue you got to look at the ending and you got to look at the content of it. And it's pretty like psychologically, like really heavy. There's a lot of parallels that we can draw to um, our modern day and the internet, especially during this pandemic and how everybody has to work from home and we have very limited contact, but it is the machine stops by E M Forster. And Oh, I've not read that. It I don't is. know it. So essentially, the premise of, of this story is some apocalyptic scenario happened on the surface of the earth and now everybody lives underground and everybody lives in like these honeycomb shaped like dwellings all by themselves and everybody has a machine in their dwelling that does everything for them. It makes their food, their water, their air, plumbing. It's their communication portal. Um, We gotta remember, this was published, I wanna say in 1918, right? So if we think about this, it's almost like, it's a past imagining of what the internet is today, really, because we Mm -hmm. rely on the internet for so many things. We communicate with people. We do our jobs through it. We can see each other. We can talk to each other. We order food through the internet. We can order bottles of water. You know, like a lot of people have been relying on the internet and different apps and everything to get the basic necessities delivered to them out of fear of catching, you know, COVID. Well, kind of, the issue happens in 
this story when the protagonist's son tells her, hey, mom, I haven't seen you in a while, but like, I want to go up to the surface. And she's trying to convince him to not do it because it's dangerous, et cetera, et cetera. But slowly throughout the story, the machines and everybody's home starts to break down and nobody knows Mm. how to fix it. Hmm. So their lives are slowly destroyed. Oh man. And there's no that, there's no that is horrible. There's no happy ending. Oh, okay. That's horrifying. Yeah. 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 So it, it's very sci-fi, but it has hardcore psychological horror mm-hmm. like undertones to it. Yeah. So I love, love that story. Sweet. Yeah. I'm gonna have to check it out. It is it's under public now, I'm assuming. Yes. So yeah, you can actually online. just type that into Google and it will and find and it. find it like the first, I think like the first um results it's just all typed out on a web page so yeah it's mm. it's public domain mm, that is number cool. 25 yeah really really number good story so number 24 happy death day oh yes girl yes that one almost made my list oh too. my gosh happy death so, day i just like this one because it is fun it has dark humor so in it and so the protagonist fun. is such a fucking badass uh-huh. you know did you see happy death day too? i have not seen that yet oh. i know mm. but i mean what else can i say about i mean it's taking the concept of groundhog day like that movie and putting it into yeah. somebody's birthday and adding a killer to it I mean, yeah, it's, it's it's very simple, but it's really effective. And like I said, having that dark humor in it, it's just yeah. I love horror comedy, yeah. and I definitely consider that one of the one of the horror comedy. And that almost made my list as there well. There you go, almost. <laughs> but all right, uh, my number twenty three, American Horror Story Asylum. Oh, okay, okay. So you picked a season, not just the, no, the series. and I did not want to pick the whole series because I want to say after season four, I just got turned off by, by the whole, by everything up until like circus. I only watched like halfway through circus and I was just like, I don't understand this meshing. Oh, freak show. Yeah. Freak freak show. show. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I just didn't understand. And maybe I just need to go back and re and and rewatch it. But one, one of the things that you'll kind of notice with my list there's a lot of psychological shit on it and asylum uh-huh. fits perfectly into yeah. that and I what I that was a good yeah one. what I really that enjoyed about that season was you have supernatural you got possessions you have like medical experimentations like yeah. you got there was a lot you got all there. the creepy shit in there and it's very heavy. And of course, Jessica Lang is just a fucking oh, goddess. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, oh, did you hear the story that she loves to tell? Oh, yeah. Um, when she was they finished Coven. Doing, yeah, when she was doing Coven. <laughs> I love that. It's a Supreme. Holy shit, it's a Supreme. It's a Supreme. <laughs> and she's like, in all my years, it never will get better than that. I'm like, and she's had such a story career. She has. So. She's just, she's a delight to watch on the screen yeah she just kind of pulls the attention whenever she's on you know she's so good she's good that's 23 nice choice nice choice Uh, 22 we've done an episode on this but it's a it's a video game after party 
Oh, <laughs> yeah. Another horror comedy, but I love, I love this it. one because it there's very strong relationships in it between the best friends. It's a choose your own adventure style. Very Plus awesome. it's hilarious. And it had family drama in it. Yeah. Like it had like you really kind of felt like, you know, like I understand Lucy, you know, Lucy, you know, Lucy, you kind of yeah. understood. Like, you know, there was actual like family drama and like stuff in there as well as like the comedy. It had so many layers to it and it pulled a lot of mythology about hell and the afterlife from a lot of different eras and different belief systems. Mm -hmm. So it was just like a nice mix of like, yeah, it's just pretty much what I figure hell would be like. Hell is just an after party. So it it just fit very, very well, especially that whole demon orgy scene. Like, oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. I was like, whoa. Perfect. I'm like, we're going there, I guess. You know, it's like, you would think in hell, you would see everything and everything up until that point. You're like, oh yeah, this makes sense. And then you get to that scene and it's like, I never would have expected this, but it also makes sense. I should have. Yeah. (laughs) Like I should have though. Like I totally should. Absolutely. Um, let's see. And then 21 rounding out my first five, another video game. It's a sci-fi horror Soma. Oh, Soma. So good. good. I love it because it, it was good. Yeah. It plays with classic horror elements um having to sneak around different monsters to have different abilities. Mm -hmm. Um, you have no way to defend yourself. Um, and not mm-hmm. only that, like it deals with the whole idea. Don't get caught. That's how you don't defend get caught. Yourself. Exactly. <laughs> Everything takes place underwater. So you just naturally have this feeling of claustrophobia. And if anything goes yeah. wrong, you're fucked. But it also plays a lot with memory and identity. Yeah. And the more you find out, like the more like horrifying it becomes yes and the (laughs) whole thing it makes you question what is real and what isn't yeah you know so got some psychological ish going on in there but it's one of the few truly terrifying games that i've ever played and for me to put soma in there and not alien isolation that's saying something because alien isolation is fucking fantastic great all right Right. Next five, Danny. All right. Yeah. <laughs> now we're, we're into the top 20. Yeah. <clears throat> Number 20, Army of Darkness. Ooh. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Fucking Ash Williams. Yes. Well, hello, Mr. Fancy. <laughs> this is my boomstick. <laughs> I mean, it's so quotable. Yeah. It is so quotable. I mean, who can't, you know, I'm sure anybody listening is quoting with us now, you know, it's so quotable. I mean, and based off the charisma of Bruce Campbell, like just, you know, the absolute presence he has on the screen, comedic timing, just absolutely such a fun, fun ride fun 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 and like whenever you know whenever i think of horror stuff and horror comedy i think sam raimi and i think 
army of darkness. And if I ever, you know, I have a book I'm working on and my whole thing is if I could pick any director to do it, I would pick Sam Raimi. I would, I would. And, And so therefore top 20. Nice. And I love Bruce Campbell. Mm -hmm. And so he had to go on the list somewhere because that man is an icon. (laughs) Number 19. Mm -hmm. Cube. I've never seen that one. Ooh. Yeah. Okay. So you introduced me to a story and I'm introducing you to a movie. Okay. So Cube, these people wake up. Mm -hmm. They don't remember anything. And they're in this room, this cube room. Mm -hmm. And they're there and they have no idea why they're there or whatever. And so they start trying to move around the cube and the cube is trapped. Like it's basically a bunch of cubes put together. And Mm -hmm. as they try to go, they're like trapped. Like they get sliced by wires. There's like heat and gas Mm -hmm. and fire. and, And like, as they go through and it's such like a, like a like a mystery but like you never know what's gonna happen yeah like you never know and they don't and you feel their like uncertainty of just like trying to survive and get out of there and like trying to work together and just the concept of like watching these cubes slide like around and like and everything like that as these people are like trying to find the ones that aren't gonna kill them it's like some fucked up saw like, shit <laughs> out yeah it's 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 awesome mm. it's awesome and they made more than one movie but um oh, cool. yeah i have to check that cube. out yeah you will i think you i think you dig it all right i think you totally would dig it cube number 19 number 18 lord of illusions haven't seen that either oh it's based on clive barker oh okay well then yeah there. yeah clive barker Sold. um <laughs> fabulous i mean it's it's like being able to bend reality, like like these people learn how to like do magic, quote unquote, mm-hmm. but it's like bending reality and it just goes full on horror and like, I don't know how else to describe it. I mean, it, it's an 80s movie. Yeah. Uh, it was made in the 80s and it's you know basically this big thing happens of this kind of magic cult and one person escapes and then like they're they become this big musician um not musician magician okay like using their skills to actually like pretend to be an illusionist and stuff then all the stuff that happened with like the cult that they were in like starts coming back to haunt them and like people start dying and like you have to have like a big showdown and stuff like Mm-hmm. It's, it's awesome nice it's awesome um number that was number 18 and now all these were movies so uh but now uh number 17 mm-hmm. um actually all my clive barkers clustered clustered together so um clive barker's undying okay video game. Mm-hmm. yeah have you did you ever play that oh god did i ever play that if i did i don't remember yeah it's a video game and um, yeah, it's just, you know, you go and it's very Barker-esque and you're basically trying this family has like dabbled in things and like you have to go and like 
confront each of the siblings who have kind of become like monsters of varying shapes based on like their interests and like their sins and stuff like that and you've been called to investigate by a friend that you knew but you get there and your friend is dead so now you're just trying to figure out what's going on and you just run into them who have just been like and overtaken this mansion and stuff oh i'd fucking love this game oh yeah Yeah. (laughs) i need to play it again apparently i don't remember it has yeah it has very like res evil like vibes mm-hmm. lovecraftian res evil vibes gotcha. it's, it's very cool so that came in at number 17 and number 16 nightbreed another mm. clyde barker cronenberg mm. um uh clyde barker cronenberg cronenberg was in it clyde barker wrote it and directed it no gotcha. Cron- uh, david cronenberg was in it um and nightbreed is basically like this guy finding out about that there are these, you know, what we would term monsters mm-hmm. kind of living underground, you know, they've kind of been ousted by society and they're the protagonists. They're not the bad people. It's like this guy discovers this, this community of like what we would deem monsters and like they're being exterminated, you know, by people and stuff. Yeah. And like, he's trying to like prevent that from happening and stuff this guy like becomes close to them and eventually becomes one of them and uh you know yeah so fantastic therefore it was number 16 for me it's one of my husband's favorites too nice yeah yeah so we had all the barker there all right all the barker Barker spree there but i mean I mean, of course, I'm most familiar with Hell Hellraiser. Hellraiser. Yeah, which is yeah. not on my list, but also a very fun movie. Hellraiser is not yeah. because it's a classic and everybody knows it. And as far as Barker goes, there was other stuff that spoke to yeah. me more, I think. So that's kind of why it didn't make my list, even though I love Hellraiser. Yeah. That makes sense. So, yeah. <laughs> Your turn. Martin. All right. Number 20. Um, this isn't the novel. This is the film adaptation, but um, the book is just as brilliant, of course. Bird Box. Bird Box. Bird Box. And here's why th- this is on yeah. the list, right? Normally, slow going movies like this put me to sleep. And I'm just like, there's not mm. enough happening. There's not enough blood. I'm a little bored. That was not the case with this one. And it was a very unique take on the apocalypse. And I mm-hmm. felt like Sandra Bullock's character, I can't remember her name yet. I, Mallory. Mallory, thank you. Um, her having to take care of not only like her own child, which she didn't it's not that she didn't want to have a child but she always felt awkward playing the mother role um but she had to take care of the other woman's child because they both had their children at at the same time so it was very much it for for me it was this multi-layered psychological like horror and yeah, you had the outside monsters, which 
you couldn't look at anything because otherwise they would basically make you go crazy. But then there's also this terrifying aspect of motherhood and how do you protect your children from unknown forces out in the world? Um, Mm -hmm. Not just from little monsters, but from other people as well. And I felt it was a very Mm -hmm. strong representation of all the emotional highs and lows of motherhood. I'm not a mom myself, but I think about how my mom raised me and all of her hopes and fears for her kids. And I Mm -hmm. see a lot of that emotion and how that Mm -hmm. played into um, our relationship, um, the good and bad ebb and flows throughout my entire life. So it was a very, yeah, it excellent, excellent um, film. Uh, 19. I think this is my second TV series. I got, I got to give it to True Blood Man. (laughs) Oh, I thought you were going to say Vampire Diary. (laughs) He's knowing you. Just wait. (laughs) Oh, okay. It's on the list somewhere. Just wait. So True Blood. um, And I mean, I'll throw in the first couple of novels there too. But yeah, I know of it, but I've actually never read it or seen it. But like I've seen advertisements and I know of the books, the Suki Stackhouse. Like I know of it but I've never um, read it or seen it. Yeah. I like after season four, it deviates extremely from the graphic novels, um, but not the graphic novels, the novels, but what I feel that true blood did extremely well was it took characters from the book that didn't have like a lot of on page time and it made them into fully fledged three-dimensional characters that you just couldn't help but fall in love with. And I mean, they delve into Tara a lot more in the show and Lafayette a lot more in the show. And Lafayette, especially for me, like really made True Blood, along with Eric North. Oh, I have Pan. seen a clip. Was he the cook? Yes. I've seen a clip with him and the cook and he like takes off his earrings and like he goes over to these jerks because yes. they don't eat the food yeah because it was made by him and because you know he is a gay man they were like the (laughs) burger has aids i don't want this and then he comes over and he just fucking yeah verbally beats the shit out of these dumb white hicks and also (laughs) physically beats them and it was so that scene is so cathartic and if you didn't already think that Lafayette was a badass before that, that it would instantly change, change your mind. But Lafayette yeah. and then, of course, Pam and Eric, especially in the later seasons. Oh, my God. They just bring the comedy so hard. Um, but it was nice. just a really fun world. And I'm, I, I enjoy vampire stories in which the vamps are out of the coffin, basically. Um, yeah, but I've, I've, I own all, all of, I own the entire series on DVD. Um, and I've seen every episode like several times over. So it's just for me personally, it's just a really fun show. And I was Suki Stackhouse for Halloween, like years ago. Yeah. My boy, my boyfriend at the time was Sam Marlott. So 
Oh, yeah, nice. we were like, Silky, you should have ended up with Sam. But it's nice. Yeah, so that's uh, 19. 18 is probably a Stephen King novel that uh, maybe not too many people have actually read. You might have read it though, Danny, since you're such a massive, like. I probably own yeah. it. Like, so it's the girl who loved Tom Gordon. <laughs> Tom Gordon. I actually have a pop-up. Oh, no. Oh, I think we've talked, we've talked about this before. Yeah, I actually have the book, but then um, my, my mother gave me this gorgeous uh, pop-up book of the girl who loved Tom Gordon. That one was a great, great, you know, anyone tells me who Stephen King can't be literary. Yeah. Really. And, and that was really I mean, it was horror because she was lost and, and everything. And she's eleven. Like she's a girl. She like has nothing. Yeah. She's lost in the woods yeah. for days. Yeah. yeah, but it's not his usual like you know clowns in the sewer yeah. or like psychokinetic you know <laughs> teenagers or you know anything like that. You know, it's much more of like human horror mm. and survival horror. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. And yeah. again, this is one of those stories where it's like the entire thing just takes place with this girl getting lost in the forest. And mm-hmm. it is very hard to write something like that and retain the reader's attention and keep them engaged and on their seat turning pages. But that's what this book did for me the, fir- the first mm-hmm. time I read it. And I know something is really good because I read this book the f- like first time back in high school. I haven't read it since and I still remember it. Nice. So that's, yeah, exactly. That's yeah. kind of how I did my, you know, like if I remember it, then yeah. yeah. Then yeah. Good job. I'm always for Stephen oh, yeah, King. Of course. So yeah. And, and yeah. yes, I'm very familiar. <laughs> I have several copies of it. Right. Good choice. Good cool. choice. So that was each- and it was shorter for him too, which I think, you know, he works well in that range you know his longer novels don't get me wrong like are great the longer stuff but like when he's able to kind of condense like in misery or the girls who love tom gordon or his novellas he really shines i think personally just gets all that personal out of the way yeah what number was Uh, that that was 18 so 17 the short story i think it's a short story oh i don't know um the yellow wallpaper. It's a short, short story. story. That's right. I'm like, I yeah. just remember being really long. But again, this is one of those stories that I read so many years ago, but it has stuck with me. And yeah. I forget this was, um, oh God, this was kind of a call and response story to that one novel where the woman who with the mental illness was in the attic. So this yep. is her story. I don't, if you're looking up the name of that story right right now, Danny, that that this came that this came from, I'm gonna be like, oh fuck. Oh the, well, the woman in the attic comes from Jane Eyre, I think. Okay. Like the woman in the attic trope comes from. Jane no, no, no. Eyre. I mean the the yellow wallpaper, the story itself. Like there's a whole other oh. story about a woman in the attic, and this is that that woman's story. Uh-huh, okay. So I'm. 
Yeah, this was written in 18... It published in 1892, yeah. written by Charlotte Perkins Gilman. Yeah, so I really like the story. Again, it's a psych- psychological horror. It has a lot of commentary about mental illness, especially, like, how people with mental illness were treated back then in families, like, literally locked away in, in an attic. That was really common, mm-hmm. especially if you were a woman and this whole entire story is basically from the woman whose family has banished her to the attic, to the attic. and living out her days in the attic, literally peeling wall hey. wallpaper off the wall. It is so heartbreaking. Yeah. I mean, because the woman in the attic was kind of a, a like a trope that would be used back then. Um, and I know it was in Jane Eyre. I'm pretty sure. No, it is. Oh, uh, what is it? A couple things. Yeah. Um. Anyway. Yeah, I, gosh. But yeah, this story is awesome. I can't find it on yeah, we the- keep it. Yeah, that's a great choice. Classic. Yeah, it's a good example of gothic lit because of the themes for madness and powerlessness and stuff, stuff like that. Um, but if you've never read it before, oh my God, highly, highly recommend. Right. Yeah, for sure. Number 16, around out the last five, another video game, Inside. I do not know. So this, this one. is from. Oh, hold on! I need to look up the name of the company inside game. It is from, um, developer Play Dead. This game came out in 2016, and it is a 2.5D puzzle platformer. Um, the entire story of it is told through the gameplay itself, and. It has a lot of like kind of 1984 vibes. There's a lot of themes Mm. of being tracked down in control because the entire time you're trying to escape these people that just want to take you um, and collect you and assimilate you into basically Mm -hmm. into the society of like human robots just just to like work it's very dark very very creepy um and it gets weirder and weirder as you go along um there's a lot of oh wait a minute i think i saw a youtuber do a playthrough yeah. of this it's 2d it's kind of very darkish and you have these like machines mm-hmm. and stuff like that as you're kind it's of it's all across. black and white except for your character who's in a red t-shirt yes. it's very okay. much it's got that whole part of it feels like Shin- schindler's list to me yes yeah. okay yeah i i watched a youtuber do a playthrough of it cool yeah yeah um very nice yeah and there's no dialogue whatsoever but the story is told beautifully just from the visuals and 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 the gameplay and it has a lot of themes of control um rebellion freedom but there's a cost wasn't there like (laughs) one part where it's just this ball of like people coming after you uh, Isn't there a part that was like yeah, that kind spoilers. of spoilers? <laughs> oh, sorry. sorry. I was trying to remember. Yeah, I was yeah, that 
Sorry, guys. Yeah, that um, that uh, factors into it. Factors definitely into it. won't go into any more detail than that yeah. or where it happens in the game. But yeah, yeah. Spoilers. <laughs> Sorry, it's okay. We'll just like Whoops. bleep it out and post, and just be like, isn't that the part where it beep 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 beep, and then beep, 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 beep. <laughs> spoilers, Danny. Sorry. And then we'll just add beeps. So, so it's like you're saying yeah, all this dirty stuff. Like, <laughs> yeah. Isn't that part where the beep, the beep, beep, yeah. the beep, but we're really talking about, is that the part where, where he picked a flower and then we just beep out, picked a flower <laughs> yeah, and then just, just let the audience fill that in with their dirty minds. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. So that's nice, nice. That is, I think it's back to me. That is back to you. That is my next five. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Now we're on to the 15, top 15. Woo. All right. Number 15, Wishmaster. Oh. You know Wishmaster. I know of it. Okay. (laughs) Wishmaster is about a gin, but like, Mm the old school gin that like you wish for something and they screw you over oh those yeah. fuckers are scary <laughs> yeah and so the opening is like oh and it has robert england oh, yeah. ha- has my freddie playing a mm-hmm. different you know like yeah so basically it starts out with like just chaos in this kind of like middle eastern looking palace kind of thing like people are dying turning into creatures and like this is the prologue this is like before the credits and you're just yeah. like what the, like stuff bursting out of people's chests yeah like i mean just just good lord the practical effects and but this uh this vizier manages to trap the gin in a ruby oh <clears throat> and then cut too many 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 years later um this art collector played by robert england mm-hmm. um and it has um sam raimi's brother in it too um he was in sequest and stuff i'm um, blanking on his name ted oh, ted, okay, ted, okay. ted raimi. yeah ted raimi is in it too and um, this art collector is getting um, this this art piece, and Robert England plays the the art collector, and it busts open, and some blood falls on the ruby, and now the gin, you know, is like free, and like starts like you know going around and trying to uh, gain power by forcing people to make through the person who like released them to make three wishes mm-hmm. and stuff because if they do then they'll be like so yeah. and it's all messed up because like i said they're like gin wishes so like oh and kane hotter is in it oh, of course kane hotter yes yeah kane hotter is in it <gasps> wait i'm um, playing a sec- i know this and um tony todd is in it i know this one <laughs> it's been a while since since I've seen it, but like if Robert England and Tony Todd and Kane Hodder's in it, like, wait, I do know it. Yeah, yeah they all they all die by the gin in various uh, ways, but they kind of got them yeah. in there, like in little small cameo parts. Like Tony Todd plays like a security guard at a party. And then um, 
uh, Kane Hodder plays uh, security guard at like the museum, mm-hmm. a museum or something. Um, but yeah, and Robert Young plays this art collector and stuff. It's fantastic. I love it. It's so iconic. Yeah, it's so eighties. It's so love it. Like I'm a big sucker for practical. If you ever notice that there's a lot of the movies that I've picked out have practical effects mm-hmm. and stuff in it, like practical body horror. It's because that looks the best. I'm a sucker for that. (laughs) I'm a sucker for that. So yeah, totally, totally, totally. Uh, Wishmaster number 15. Got to go up there. It influenced me a lot. I saw it at a very impressionable Mm. age. No wonder why you like Um, gory things. Yeah, yeah. Some (laughs) of these others are why too. But um, 14, demonic toys. Oh, Demonic I know this one. But I yes, know. yes, I love it. Like it's made such an impression on me because what made the impression on me was the kid playing the demon, mm-hmm. and they gave him that deep voice. Mm-hmm. So you have the, the the juxtaposition, this weird like dissonance of this kid who looked like he was maybe eight years yeah. old with this deep voice. And like the kid was good and, and they got a voice actor to voice, you know, to dub it, but the kid was yeah. good and he played the lines and it was just so disconcerting. <laughs> um, and, and that's what stood out, you know, cause you have this eight year old kid going up to this woman and one of the lines I remember is like, well, how this happens is, is like, I get on top of you and we do the nasty. Oh no. Side of you, and then you give birth to me and picture this eight-year-old boy. No. Like, and you're just like, what is this? <laughs> yeah. And then of course there's the demonic toys themselves, the toys that get possessed, the little teddy bear with the teeth, They're just not into you. And there's like a robot and baby oopsie. Oh it's by far the best because it's this baby doll. And whatever. And one of my favorite parts is she kills the, the security guard and she's pulling him down the stairs and she's like, you're fucking heavy, you Moby fucking dick. And it's this little doll. <laughs> it's like driving. It was the best. I saw it at a sleepover party. It was one oh, of yeah. the first horror movies that I was ever legit allowed to see. Um, I went over to my friend's, I think it was her 12th birthday mm-hmm. party. And went over to sleepover and we watched The Hitcher, we watched The Shining, and we watched Demonic Toys. And uh, yeah. Uh, so. That is a good spread of horror movies right there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, number 13, Warlock. Oh. Julian Sands. Yeah. Have you ever no, seen I that? I haven't. Julian uh, Warlock. Yeah. Ah, you should check it out. I love Julian Sands. He's FYI, he's going to be in the new dancing movie. Oh, okay. Death Rider in the House of Vampires. <gasps> that has Devon Sawa. Has Devon Sawa, Julian Sands, De- Glenn Danzig, Eli Roth. Devon yeah. Sawa was the, the, the guy that played Casper? <gasps> yes, he's Ooh, in this. Okay. <laughs> I love him, right? Hocus Pocus. Yes, Casper. Idle hands, like Devon Sawa, yeah. Yeah. He's in this. But anyway, Julian Sands is in that, so I'm glad he's getting some work. But Julian Sands plays uh, the son of the devil. Oh, hell yeah. 
And uh, yeah, sexy fucking son of the devil. I'm mm. telling you. With that look and that blonde hair. And it's always something about children. bad boys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, bad boys, like son of Satan. Eh, <laughs> <You know. laughs> uh, but yeah, and they really dipped into like old school Malleus Maleficarum lore. Oh, fuck yeah. Yeah. Like, like, and it was pretty cool. It was actually pretty progressive too, because like at one point he's talking to this kid mm-hmm. and he literally tells him, he's like, he's like, I'm a witch. See, they called it warlock. Because I don't know for what reason, but in the movie, he calls himself a yeah. witch. So I don't know. Maybe it was misogynistic maybe, bullshit. Yeah. They titled the movie Warlock because, you know, Julian Sands is a man, but whatever. Um, uh, he's talking with this kid and he's like, he's like, the kid's like, who are you? You know, because kids can be like annoying assholes with like questions yeah. and shit. And Julian Sands is the, as, uh, the warlock is, as a witch is like, well, I'm a witch. And he's like, boys can't be witches. And he's like, yes, they can. And then he kills the kid and uses his virgin fat to boil down and make a flying plane. Yes. <laughs> yeah, which is like some old school shit. And like, if you tap nails into a witch's footsteps, you'll bind, you'll like stop them oh. and stuff. So like some real old school, like- Lore, superstition yeah. folklore stuff. Absolutely, fantastic. I love. I like that. Yeah. Number twelve. Sean. Of the yes. Dead. Yes. You got red on you. <laughs> All right. I almost I put that on, on my list too, but <laughs> <laughs> we go to the Winchester. Wait. Have a pint until wait this until this all blows over. All blows over. <laughs> <laughs> Do 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 you want to go to the Winchester? Do I, no, I don't really want to. <laughs> oh fuck! I know where that horror comedy. Horror yeah. comedy again. I just oh man, I laugh so hard. Them flicking the records, yeah. and every time he came up with a new plan, we kill Phil. Sorry, Phil. Yeah. You know, just I mean, oh man. Oh man, the cricket bat yeah. and oh god, yeah, just absolutely fantastic. I'm a big Nick Frost, Simon Pegg yeah. fan. Um, what I haven't seen is, did you know they're doing a ghost hunter yes. thing? I want to see that. Cannot I cannot wait see to see that. Because, <laughs> because you know, I know you're like you're wicked into that, like ghost. Oh yeah. Shit. So like that would be like. What's it called? I forget what it's called. Like Ghost Finders or something. Hey, I forget what it's you called. know what? As long as Zach Bagans isn't in it, I don't give a shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, y'all missed it, but we had a conversation. Had a conversation about, about, about Zach Bagans and Ghost, Ghost Adventures Hunting. before this. I spilled some tea. <laughs> yes. Like, <laughs> we say, yeah. Um, yeah. Number twelve, Shaun of the Dead. Gotta be. Gotta be. I actually love the whole Cornetto trilogy, oh, yeah. um, but. But yeah, that's really the horror with the hot fuzz. Oh, hot fuzz and, is um, great too. Yeah, yeah hot fuzz. But um, but yeah, Shot of the Dead. I mean, absolutely fantastic. You know, just the way Edgar Wright like cuts, does those fast cuts, yes. and everything for those visual jokes. 
and Steph is just absolutely yeah. on the floor. And it's one of those that you miss stuff. You have to watch it a couple of times because sometimes it's just like so fast and they're so quick yeah. that um, you just have to, you just have to uh, watch it a couple of times, which I don't mind to catch everything. But yeah, Shaun of the Dead, number 12. And my last one for this five, um, before we get into the top mm-hmm. 10, coming in at number 11 is Mandy. You know, Mandy. I didn't like that. <laughs> I no, but I didn't like it. No, tell Mandy. me why you like it, and maybe you'll change my mind. Because I, I tried to okay, watch Nikki. it, and it, <laughs> it was one, one of those movies where for me it just moved too slow, and I'm like, why? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, I loved mm-hmm. it um, because I loved, okay, so I like Nicolas Cage. I just like how Nick Cage is yeah. Nick Cage and just does what Nick Cage does. And, you know, I have to admire him and Mandy because the man is pushing 60, mm-hmm. already over 60, I think. And that scene after Mandy dies and he's in the bathroom and he's just like in his tidy whities mm-hmm. and the like jersey. And he's crying and being angry and everything. And he's just there all in his sick, you know, punch, you know, wrinkly thighs and the whole thing. I'm like, you've got to admire that. Yeah. You know, there's a dude who's willing to be on the big screen and just not like, I'm not going to be touched up. Shoot me from this side. It's like, it's a it's real, real body yeah. there. It's real body there. And just a lot of the visual, uh, the visuals and shit, like the, the chainsaw, mm-hmm. um, the chainsaw fight and like you know um his his outfit you know near the end and like um oh yeah the whole scene another actor i really love is in it um uh richard Drake. oh yeah he was the chemist mm-hmm. he was also in doom he's also been in an, an, a crap ton of movies he's one of those actors that like you just love him and everything he does but like you don't know his yeah. name but he's been in a lot of stuff and he was in it as the chemist person making this weird LSD stuff. And, you know, I love the idea of the cult leader just gets mocked and stuff like yeah. that. I love that scene. Like he's going through this whole thing and you're thinking it's ridiculous. And then she laughs at him and you're like, yeah, that's probably the appropriate response, yeah. you know, is to laugh at him and everything like that. And then, you know, they had a lot of really good effects, like with the burning and stuff like that. And, and originally, because this was produced by Elijah Wood, who has been doing a lot of these indie horror movies and stuff oh. with his um, with his uh, production company, Spectrovision. And he was the one that actually got Nick Cage involved. He got the script for his company to produce. And he's like, you know, you should get, you should get Nick Cage. And so Elijah Wood hooked, hooked the director up with Nick Cage and he read it and he was originally going to be the cult. Oh yeah. Because that would fit Nick Cage. Right. But Nick Cage said, no, I'll only do it if I can be Fred. And so they hired the dude who did it, who I thought did a great job and everything. I mean, I liked the over-the-top acting, the kind of drugged out feel. I mean, it was basically a heavy metal video. I think, yeah. So if you like heavy metal, like they had references to Holy Diver, mm-hmm. the fonts and the way they filmed it. Lots it was basically stuff, yeah. heavy metal video. Yeah. 
like uh, King Crimson and like all this other stuff. And I like metal. So I was like, this is pretty great. It's just like, you know, if you understand, like watching Cabin in the Woods, you're a horror fan, you appreciate that. Watching Mandy, if you're a metal fan, you know, they had references to heavy metal, like the animated uh, stuff that happened in the movie and just a lot of heavy metal references, like old school heavy metal references and stuff like that. So I loved it. Well, good. It's number 11. It it was your list, but I will say the acting was really good in that movie. I, did. I love Nick Cage. Okay, can I tell you how Dude, much I'm looking forward to Willie's Wonderland? Ca- oh my god, demon animatronics! I mean, it's Five Nights yeah. at Freddy's, except with Nick Cage. So, like, just take my yeah. money. Just take my money. I do have a story though about going to see this. I, I drag my husband to these <laughs> things, and he must love me because he goes to these things. Like, what do you want to go watch? but we went and we went to the alamo and sometimes they'll have special menus for stuff and they had one for mandy and the menu they had for mandy included a drink called the uncaged oh and this drink holy crap jägermeister fireball ouzo like this drink, holy crap. Like I could smell it. And I saw the varnish was coming off the oh table. Oh my God. Like this thing. Woo. Woo. Did they just come up with that? Like, well, this is the only stuff we have left at the end of the night. Let's mix it together. Let's see on cage. That's what, that's what somebody <laughs> I said said that. Was like, well, that's just the crap you have left yeah. over at the bar. <laughs> I had to try it. I had to try it. And I did. And man, no. I mean, I could feel, I could feel the blood pumping through my veins. Like it was just, it was just. just, What did it taste like? That stuff Because I don't like Jaeger because it tastes like black licorice. It tasted like licorice. I hate licorice. It does. It tastes like licorice. I love licorice. There you go. So, but even that was, yeah, I love Jaeger, which I was like, this has Jaeger in it. I have to try it. But it was also like whiskey or something in there too. I don't even know, but like. It, it's just Dude. yeah how anyway. can we get really fucked up tonight let's no yeah so by the time you know nick cage was doing the chainsaw <laughs> play, i was like Woo, go! you know yeah. like, go nick cage go nick cage <laughs> everyone's like oh, oh shit <laughs> for sure but anyway yeah mandy is my number 11 before we get into this all right too. so visuals music the whole deal. awesome all right, my number 15, The Haunting of Bly Manor. On uh, not the first season? Not the first season, The Haunting of Hill House? No, The Haunting of Bly Manor. Oh. Right, I'm just saying the first season was Haunting of Hill House. Did you see that one or did you just see Bly Manor? Just Bly Manor. I thought Bly, I thought Bly oh, okay. Manor is a separate thing. It's an anthology series, oh, like American Horror okay. Story. Okay. Same actors, but different. Okay, seasons. yeah, no, I haven't seen the Haunting on Hill Hill House then, but Haunting of what? That season was really good. I haven't seen Bly okay. Manor yet. Though. Bly Manor is amazing. Like nice. anything paranormal, creepy children, nannies with like questionable, scary pasts that are running away to another country. I mean, this has it all 
and there's so many secrets and you're just every episode it's like you're holding your breath going like what fucked up thing is gonna happen next to these characters like emotionally physically everything else um it's very unique in its presentation um it's not an ostentatious like horror series by by any means um and the the kids in it just absolutely steal the show especially the little girl uh in the first few ep- episodes she's just like it is positively splendid and i'm like oh you are positively splendid yeah they do <laughs> an excellent job and just the range of emotion that all the actors have and just how subtly it moves forward and again it's slow moving but oh man does it suck me in I think just because it's the psych psychological nature of it it kind of fucks with Mm -hmm. your head a bit so so good (laughs) yeah I definitely recommend you should watch the first season the first um the haunting of hill house cool I did not realize that they were connected as part of and, and yeah, they are. It's like the same actors um, are in the first season as in Blind Manor. Okay. And they're basing them each off classic novels. Um, first was obviously The Hill Haunting House, of yeah. Hill House. Blind Manor is based off Turning of the Screw. Makes sense. Okay. The turn of- that totally yeah. makes sense. Awesome. That was 15. Yeah. 14. Sweet. Getting into a graphic novel. Have you ever heard of Ooh. Farmhand? Uh, no. So, uh, farmhand. <clears throat> it's kind of a combination between eco horror and body horror, and it's essentially about this farmer and his family. Uh, they don't like grow actual crops; they grow human organs and body parts. Yeah. Nice. So it's like sinister mother nature horror apocalyptic um with a shit ton of family drama i mean we should probably do this one for um our our podcast at at some point because not only is like the art absolutely fantastic but there's a lot of relationships between the characters and the family and everything to really dig into um and it's it's just it's a kind of a dark comedy too. So, nice, but I mean, nice. it hooked me in. Like, what they grow body parts under the ground? Okay, I'm in. Like that. Sweet. That was what instantly got got me hooked. So. <laughs> nice. Sometimes all you need is a is a you know a thing like that and then just everything yeah. kind of stems from that so like that's super cool i'm yeah. down for that for the podcast yeah the first vol volume is called reap what was sown it's so good yeah nice. and the cover of it um it shows what looks like roots but it's more like blood vessels traveling veins traveling along the top of the soil and they kind of like connect and do a tree and you go up the tree and there's just all these hands that are dangling from it but I love I love that idea of like 
-hmm. you know, maybe at some point in the future, like there's literally going to be, uh, we're able to grow organs. And that is something that science is currently like working on, but I love taking Mm -hmm. the real science of, you know, what we're doing today with organs and what and whatnot and putting it in such, um, not to use like the word ancient, but I mean, we've always had had to farm, but putting it in such like a common environment, just the juxtaposition of it, Mm. that alone is creepy. (laughs) And I love it. I love it. So uh, 14, farm farmhand, uh, 13, another graphic novel, but it is the graphic novel adaptation of Octavia Butler's Kindred. Ah, I've read the book. Okay. I have not seen the, oh, the graphic, graphic novels. Novel. Absolutely gorgeous. And it's pretty faithful, I think, to to the uh, book. Um, but okay. for those who aren't familiar, the, it takes place in the 1970s. And then the protagonist is transported basically back to Civil War mm-hmm. plantation era, era of slavery. Mm-hmm. So again, psych- psychological horror. You know, and also taking into yeah. account the very real horrors of American his- history. Yeah, it's kind of funny because I think people overlook that she did yeah. horror. You know, I don't think she often gets like acknowledged because no, she she's known for in the, in the for greater, sci-fi. But... Yeah, you know that she doesn't get mm. acknowledged in the greater, you know, f- you know sphere yeah. of literature uh for for doing the horror stuff but a lot of her stuff falls yeah or it's like a hybrid of something so she also has another story that i really love called speech sounds and it's a short story um and it's set in a post-apocalyptic los angeles in which a disease has mm-hmm. ravaged everybody's ability to either like to basically to communicate to speak or to read or to talk on some level. So society has completely dissolved. Um, and the protagonist, mm-hmm. um, she's one of the very few people around that, that can still talk, um, which is a very dangerous place for her to be in that society <laughs> because- Right, yeah. Exactly. So it's sci-fi, but psychological horror, post-apocalyptic. I mean, the way that she's always kind of blended genres, she's just- a master at the craft of writing yeah uh mm-hmm. 13 kindred the graphic novel but read the book too 12 <sighs> so this isn't the video game but this is the netflix adaptation of the video games series castlevania oh my god yes. I love castlevania. it's not on my list <laughs> but i love okay so i'm a huge simon belmont yeah. like Castlevania, like my husband and I, we we're Nintendo generation. Um, I think you're a little bit young, younger than us, but Nintendo came out when we were 10. So we were right like in the demographic, yeah. like of the kids that they were trying to get. Like Nintendo was our, you know, it coming out was part of our childhood. And um, my husband was always a Legend of Zelda fan. I was always mm-hmm. Castlevania. My first one I played was Simon's Quest yes. and then on to some of the other ones and everything like that. But yes, the Netflix series is absolutely. Oh bald. my God. And they don't skimp on the gore either, especially the first uh-uh. season. I mean, you're seeing like oh, yeah. dismembered babies and you're just like, wow, yeah. they went there. Like 
seriously yeah, but again and trevor um they got richard yeah. armitage to voice trevor yeah and then alucard is like the best because like alucard just yeah i mean i've best. never been attracted to an animated character but trevor oh yeah <laughs> Like, yeah, yeah, but it's just, you know, I love the whole, the the whole concept of Dracula marrying a scientist in like old, old timey times. And she gets burned at the stake for, for being a witch and Dracula, he comes back and he's fucking pissed off because she's, she's the, he's the only human that he has ever loved. So he's just on a fucking like rage bender. And of course, I mean, I love anything with Dracula in it and vampires. I mean, Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, I mean, there were so many one-liners. I mean, it was funny, yeah. too, in a lot of places. You know, just like when Trevor and Alucard fight. And like, did you just kick me? We're not I'm in a bar, bar all, you know? <laughs> <laughs> you you know, Belmonts. All this other stuff. <laughs> like, yeah, Belmonts. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, you know, it took forever. I remember when everyone realized that Alucard is just Dracula backwards. Yep. Like they literally just flipped the name. Yeah. And Matt Frewer Ooh. did the voice. If y'all remember Max Headroom, he did the voice of the bishop in the first. Oh, that was Matt Frewer. Season. It was oh, Matt Frewer. Shit. Yeah, the really asshole who burned his wife and everything. And then oh yeah. Like that was Matt Frewer. He was what wasn't he the neighbor in uh Honey I Shrunk the Kids? Yeah, yes. and then yes, yeah, he was. and then it was Max Headroom. Yeah, and then there was a sci-fi two-parter original movie on their take of Alice in Wonderland, and he played a knight. Yeah. I love yeah, Matt uh-huh. Frewer. Matt, Matt yeah. Frewer is fucking great. Yeah, he he did a voice in the in the series. Yeah. So, but yeah, absolutely good choice. Castlevania, I love that adaptation. Yeah. I, I, so, I I like to I say that it's like dark anime, but it's like it's anime style, but it's different than anime. But it, it has still has that feel to it. It's 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 its own thing. Um, yeah. it's on Netflix. Yeah, watch it. It is so good. So that's watch number twelve. It. Number eleven, <laughs> Saw. All right. I, oh yes i saw, mean this saw. one always brings a smile to my face just because i will never forget the audience's reaction to the end and yeah it was for him rising yeah out. just the yeah. dude <laughs> i'm sorry guys spoilers so if, if you, you haven't, haven't seen saw by now seen, i don't know what to yeah. tell you. um but it it was <laughs> I mean, if 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 we think about the greatest, you know, villains killers in slasher history, I mean, who do we got? Mm. We got Jason Voorhees, we got Freddy Krueger, Michael Myers, Leatherface, couple of other ones. But what I appreciated about Saw was for the 2000s like horror you know went through its kind of awkward like 90s phase and then saw comes out and it <laughs> didn't we i know right didn't we and it, and it kind of <laughs> for the time at least in my opinion revitalized the slasher genre for the time and it was really a oh but don't be dissing scream though if you're going to talk about 90s don't be dissing scream okay i won't dis scream 90s horror is it's it's its own genre 
So yeah, okay, yeah, it's very much. But saw, yeah, yes, ghost face, yeah, you got to remember ghost face and Chucky too. But it just like it did what the hostile movies couldn't where hostile was just like torture porn for no fucking reason. And I'm not a fan of Eli Roth, like at all, Mm. but saw it had enough of a twisted serial killer mentality in it to where you could buy into all of the torture and the gore. Mm -hmm. And it asked a very important question that is very central to humanity. Like what are you going to take to survive? And if you really sit mm-hmm. and you you sit with that question, that idea, and you think about it, it's it's like the moment in Until Dawn when you have to make a choice between killing your best friend or killing your girlfriend. Mm, <laughs> There's a yeah. lot of those choices in it. But Saw is very much about self-preservation and turning everybody into fucking assholes, basically, that are trying to survive. <laughs> Right. Yeah, so again, it's a slasher, it's psych- psychological, plus that twist at the end. Oh, man, nobody yeah. saw that twist coming. No, just been so there the good. whole time. Yeah, just, just, just been there the just, whole time. Yeah. And who expected Carrie Oh, yeah. Like, like chopping off his foot and stuff. Yeah. Like, you know, he was in that. He was in that, yeah. And I just remember when the posters came out of Shawnee. Um, I know her first name is Shawnee. I can't remember her last name, the actress who had the reverse bear. Oh trap. my god, yeah. Like that was on the yeah. posters, and that like got everybody yeah. talking. Like, what the hell is yeah. that? You know, like I mean, that image of her with it on her head and her looking over her shoulder, all freaked yeah. out and stuff. That got everybody talking. Like that movie had a lot of buzz too. Like when it came mm-hmm. out because of their like advertising and stuff like that. Like, like, yeah, yeah saw definitely. Yeah. And definitely. those movies will always have kind of a special place in my heart because in college I interned with Twisted Pictures. So, what? <gasps> <gasps> <laughs> Yeah, with Twisted Pictures and Evolution Entertainment. And I remember walking in for my interview and they they were just like, so why do you want to work here? And I'm like, I just love the Saw movies. (laughs) And I'm like, I I would love to work in film and I love horror and I love the Saw movies and I'm so excited for the new ones that are coming out. So yeah. I want to be a part of that. I want to be in. where the killers are. I want to see. Want to see them stabbing, slashing, <laughs> dragging around them on rusted chains. <laughs> anyway, that was my number eleven. Out where they stab, out where they maim, out where out they where scream all day in the cage. <laughs> Wondering, I could I be out of this cage. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there you go guys <laughs> musical interlude alright yep that was my number 11 let's get down to our right, top perfect. 10 <laughs> top 10 yo top 10 man this was the hardest yes. part 
this was the hardest part. And these were things that influenced me a lot. Uh, you know, like, you know, when I was um, uh, influenced me a lot, except for this number 10, actually, because number 10, I saw extremely, extremely mm-hmm. recently, but it absolutely blew my mind when I saw it. Color Out of Space Ooh, is my number That's another 10. Nick, Nick Cage movie. Nick Cage. Yeah, that, that <laughs> I've yet to see. I, I mm. loved it. I loved it. Um, it was such a great, like, you know, everyone tries to do Lovecraft adaptations and they never end up great, usually, in my opinion. Um, but this one really blew my mind when I saw it just a little while ago. Um, and, and like, it quickly got into, like, my top because just the acting, the horror mm-hmm. of it, the, the moments that they had, it was done by Richard Stanley, who has another whole story, but he did horror movies back in the day. And then he had a whole big thing where he was supposed to do the island of Dr. Moreau and freaking Val Kilmer and Marlon Brando were such mm-hmm. dillweeds that, that he quit and didn't do feature films wow. for 20 years. And this was his return. That's a- And so like, it was, it was absolutely fantastic the, the every shot could have been like a mm-hmm. picture like every shot every frame could have been just like a, a painting almost just and, and the the creeping the creeping losing of reality and stuff was done so well and practical effects again practical yeah. effects i have a thing for practical effects i mean he went old school with the effects it's not cgi um, as far as I'm aware, they're practical effects. And, um, you know, it's about this family. And this, if you're familiar with the story of family and this thing comes down and starts affecting them all, like lands on their farm. And and Nick Cage was actually relatively subdued for mm-hmm. Nick Cage. Um, and and I thought he was perfect for it. And it it was just an experience more than a movie. That's cool. Really, in yeah. my opinion, it was just something that, and so it's it's my number nice. ten. It's my number ten. Just you know, like I said, absolutely. And number nine. Uh, okay, this is kind of a company. White Wolf, Ooh. Vampire the Masquerade, Werewolf, including Vampire Bloodlines. Uh, any of that stuff. I'm I'm 90s. Like we were talking about 90s stuff. Don't be dissing the scream. Don't be dissing the White Wolf. I mean, I cut my teeth on it. I don't know what to say. Like I, it was my first role playing game. Um, the the horror that you could do with it was fantastic. The the you know, and they did wraith. They did changeling. They did mage. Mm-hmm. They did all these different aspects of human horror that humans were committing on themselves the idea of being monsters and of course you have vampire bloodlines the game which is one of my top games like i love that game so much um just yeah the world of darkness itself um is my number nine (laughs) it might be cheating a little bit but it's my number nine i mean it had such an influence on me i've got my white wolf books right here y'all can't see but they're like right next to me (laughs) my vampire masquerade books and um absolutely fabulous like i mean just as far as like my experiences in college my experiences running games Mm -hmm. 
me being able to, in a game, figure out kind of how I felt about horror and how I wanted to present horror and everything like that just gave White Wolf number nine. <laughs> White Wolf, World of Darkness, number nine. Absolutely. Dating myself, but oh, there it is. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we both have a very strong affinity for White Wolf and Vampire the Masquerade and all of its forms. And... I think I can say for both of us that not only do we hope that Bloodlines 2 is actually released, oh, yes, but that it will be good. Yes. Crossing fingers. Crossing fingers. Crossing fingers. <laughs> we won't Crossing get into that right now. But... I enjoyed the hell out of the first oh, yeah. game, the first the Bloodlines game. They managed to capture what World of Darkness yeah. was. And how it felt to play a campaign and the characters they had, the voice acting, the options to the do writing, so, so many different missions. Yeah. Yeah. The writing was so good. And the variety of missions they had um, that, you know, you could do them a variety of ways, uh, depending on how you wanted to play it. You know, you could seduce yourself, intimidate. You could just outright just start killing yeah. people. You know, you had your choices of how you wanted to do these and the variety of missions it has. But yeah, it just really had that feeling. So yeah, I'm hoping Bloodlines 2 is going to be uh, just yeah. as good. And But like, yeah, World of Darkness, man, that really, I remember many nights in college LARPing and, uh, you know, getting into that and watching the TV show, Kindred oh, the yeah. Embraced, CW, Aaron Spelling, like just, Love it. Love it. Sorry. This influences me. I love it. It has a place in my heart. Therefore, it gets number nine. Um, number eight is an author, actually, because I couldn't choose what book. Hmm. Um, is this Stephen King? Um, and it, it is not, actually. Um, Christopher oh, Pike. yeah. I can see how that would be really uh, hard because he's had so many guys such good. he's a very prolific yeah, author Pike, like <sighs> prolific and his books were like I can't believe my parents let my parents I was lucky my parents let me read whatever I wanted to um and I'm just surprised that they let me yeah these. um I discovered them when I was a you know preteen and um yeah so um where do I start with Christopher Pike? Um, the covers, yeah, bright, colorful, 80s retro. Um, you know, he killed so many teenagers. So many teenagers did he kill in they his deserved books. it. In his books, <laughs> they just you know, and just the plot lines and everything. Man, I gobbled those up. I gobbled. I have a collection of them right here next to me. Nice. Actually. Just like right there. I'm staring at them now actually like right <laughs> eye level. Um, I collected them, um, you know, my favorite ones, but you had ones of like a high school play where in the middle of it, it's like a murder mystery. And in the middle of it, and during the murder scene, somebody actually Hell gets yeah. shot in the middle of the play. Uh, there's another one about these two cheerleaders who are actually cocaine dealers. <laughs> oh, does it sound like my school? <laughs> <There's> <laughs> nice. Maybe he went to your school. Oh my God. Whereas for like, if you're familiar like, with Ayala. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, uh, there's another one where um, this, this, there's a camping trip 
and one of the teenagers falls over the river and her best friend is put on trial for murder because everyone thinks she pushed her and everything, but she didn't. And like, it turns out she's being framed by her friend who faked her death going over this cliff by like repelling and stuff. And I mean, just all of these plot lines, just so fascinating, so depraved. Um, that is and everything like that. And <laughs> I love, I love them. Um, huge influence on me read them you know um and some of them dealt with supernatural stuff like aliens and ghosts coming back and you know you had like bury me deep and the scavenger hunt and um the stargazer i think you know just all these ones that also had you know there was like the drama Mm -hmm. horror of stuff you know but there was also like he would do like supernatural and stuff like too and stuff in some of them um so nice yeah for sure for sure uh number eight number eight number seven number seven event horizon oh god i number seven is my i haven't seen that in a while but that's that's a good pick all y'all who only knew freaking um alan grant in jurassic park <laughs> i have not seen him in <laughs> knew the character alan grant and thought man sam neill's a really good actor he's such a dad and he's so wholesome have never seen <laughs> event horizon <laughs> or in the mouth of oh, madness yeah. sam neill has some horror chops and Event Horizon has the, the body horror imagery and it has the, the, the vastness of space and it has, I mean, where we're going, we don't need eyes. And <laughs> I mean, just the whole, the whole thing, the whole thing, just there are just images from that movie that have been burned into my brain ever since I saw it. And I can't get away from it. Um, I had eye surgery this year. And uh, I had eye surgery in October. And when I came out of eye surgery and I looked at myself in the mirror, I'm like, shit, I'm Sam Neill from Uh. Event Horizon. (laughs) Because my eyes were so messed up. Just the images, you know, and... And, you know, the sounds and the way they did it and the and, and just like the ship itself, the event horizon and everything. I don't know how to describe it. Like, like I said, it's one of those things that to me was like an experience, you know, I remember seeing it and just sitting there after like how, like, I don't. Yeah. I'm disturbed. I'm disturbed. I'm forever changed. Yeah. That's a really good way to explain that movie. It's an experience. Yeah. Yeah. Number seven, that was my number seven mm-hmm. event horizon again with the body horror and practical effects and, and stuff like that. Um, number six, I had to, I have to, and he is up there on the list um, because I love me. Uh... Um, so my number six is yes! <laughs> body horror master. Michael Irons. <laughs> I had to. I love him so much. He's one of my favorite directors. I already had him like in Nightbreed where he was acting and stuff and working with Clyde Barker. But I'm like, 
Cronenberg has to represent in my top because I love him so much. So I kind of picked my favorite or, or one that, you know, sticks the most in my mind when I think Cronenberg, there's of course the breed and a lot of the other stuff he's done, like, um, a video drone and all of that other stuff, you know, um, which are all fantastic, but who does not know who has not been affected by Michael Ironside as striker exploding that dude's head who has not i ask you let's just have a moment of silence for that dude getting utterly obliterated in the head okay father son's holy spirit (laughs) (laughs) i mean i love that movie just the concept just these people are Mm -hmm. scanners with these mental powers and like and like you know one dude wanted to use them for for evil and stuff like that you know again practical effects like i yeah i think that scene probably in horror history today is still one of the absolute best like hands down yeah yeah i could watch that scene and repeat over and over again it is so beautiful (laughs) i'm just telling you like I mean, it, it it had to be. Yeah. It had to be. I'm trying to think because I think I got Revok. That's it. Why was I thinking Striker? Mm. Revok was Ironside's character's name. Revok. Why was I thinking Striker? Maybe I get them messed up in my head or I was thinking to it. I was like, no, that's not it. That's not the name. But um, yeah, Revok. Yeah. Michael nice. Ironside. Yeah. Scanners, number six. Number six. Oh, for sure. My turn. All right. Let's start on your top 10. Number 10. So now we're at the Vampire Diaries. (laughs) I knew it was coming. I'm not talking about the books either, which came out in in the 90s. The first, I'm I'm talking about about the TV show. show. Like this will always, this show will have, will always have a place in my heart. And unfortunately, these women I don't talk to anymore. We all kind of, fell fell apart but for a good couple of years when the show would come on on thursday nights on the cw we would have our girls nights we'd bring over wine we would just drink bottles Mm. and then just watch the vampire diaries and just laugh and gossip over it and like talk about it but and sama holder i mean ian smolder holder <laughs> and smolder <Yes>. yes. <laughs> I'm so sorry if you're listening to this Ian but that nickname has still totally stuck for years dear god love so your new show though um, <laughs> oh is he in B's and B-Wars yes. now yeah um, B-Wars. another vampire I'm not a huge fan of B-Wars no, though I don't know but for me Ian and what he did with his character, Damon Salvatore, for me, just kind of stole the whole show, the entire Mm -hmm. series. And he just played that character so well. But there, even when, um, what's her face, who plays Elena, left the show uh, because she wanted to do other stuff. Nina yes, Gombrev. I mean, she's, 
I actually have the nice. cast list. Yeah, they're. Up here. I mean, they're all absolutely yeah. wonderful. Um, I had it. May, oh God, I I still to this day cannot watch the final episode of the series without crying my eyes out. Because to me, it is so Aww. sad. But it's, you know, it's stereotypical like high school vamp- vampire drama. But they fold all the other su- supernatural shit, witches and vampires, and then like the originals. And then there's the spinoff series. And I mean, the show is so fucking cheesy. And there are some really <laughs> bad episodes, but. I have so many good memories of watching this show with really close friends. And even after we fell apart, you know, watching this show on my own, like I got so attached to the characters. It made me feel like, oh gosh, like I am back in high school again and I want to be a vampire again. (laughs) You know, it just, it's just (laughs) such a fun show. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, and I I knew it was coming. I knew oh, it was coming. Fuck. There was one episode, and this is later in in the series, but it's when Jeremy becomes one of the hunters. And he's like getting his hunter's oh. mark for the first time. And there's no rhyme or reason why this needed to happen in the script, but it just did. He just like starts yelling like his skin is on fire. And then he just fucking rips off his shirt. And you're and we have we haven't oh, well, seen Jeremy you. for a while at this point. And you know, I'm watching it with with the girls and he just rips off his shirt and we just start busting up laughing and it's between damn he got got buff and like oh my god this whole moment in this scene is so ridiculous like yeah that is (laughs) everything i remember oh my god and then like the romance between bonnie and enzo at the end god we start crying again because like oh you just grow to love enzo so much and deep down he really is a good guy he's been through so much fucking trauma oh man (laughs) anyways yeah i fucking love the vampires um i should have figured it would be higher up on yeah, your list than what very, i very very profound <laughs> but all right we are gonna move on number nine <laughs> nightmare on elm street okay <laughs> girl now what's what's interesting is i love the nightmare on elm street movies just like the friday the 13th movies I like Jason Voorhees probably more as a character than Freddy Krueger, but when you put them in their respective environments in their films, Nightmare on Elm Street does way more for me than the Friday the 13th films because Freddy Krueger, oh my God, just a lot of the one-liners that that he has. Yeah. I, because I'm surprised. I thought if you were going to go with anyone, you would go with Friday I the know. 13th. If you were going to pick no, one of those. I, ha- I have to go with Freddy Krueger on this just because he talks and he is funny and he's completely fucking sinister. I mean, I think it's Nightmare on Elm Street 3 when they're in the um, mental hospital. 
Dream Warriors. Warriors. I mean, he just picks up the he no, comes out of the TV three. and he picks up the chick and he's like, "Welcome to prime time, bitch!" And then shoves time, her bitch. head, picks her up, shoves <laughs> her head through the TV, and I'm just like, "Oh my god, what the fuck happened?" Like, there's, like, there's those what the fuck moments and Friday the Thirteenth, especially the sleeping bag kill, which is my absolute favorite one. Of but course. Jason Voorhees doesn't add. There's no funny lines to go with it. So I have to go with Interview with the Vampire. Plus, you can't beat the scene where Johnny Depp gets eaten by the bed. And it's just sucking the bed and bed. blood. I have a story about that. So Johnny Depp was on uh, Inside the Actors oh, Studio. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> He's on Inside the Actors Studio. And of course, you have um, the, the host... And he's, he's, he's taking, you know, he has a very like asking deep questions and being very revered for his guests. Like that's his yes. thing, reverence yeah. for his guests. And so he's sitting in his very prim voice acting, asking Johnny Depp, who's sitting there mm-hmm. smoking, you know, an older Johnny Depp, you know, post, post Pirates of the Caribbean. Depp, now, is it post Pirates you know, Depp or pre or post Amber Depp? There's that. Post, I just, it's pre amber post pirates. Okay. Yeah. Just trying to know, like, what what version of Johnny Depp are we talking about here? Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. And um, the host goes, So tell me, what was your, what was your first movie role? Johnny Depp takes a drag of his cigarette and he goes, I was sucked into a bed. I mean, that's perfect. He started <laughs> bed and he came out as blood, just gushing uh, so, so much, much so much stuff yeah. out and just a fountain. Yeah. Just a yeah. fountain. And I, I think Nightmare on Elm Street, in terms of all of the kills, because everything very much had a dream like quality to it, because that's the whole premise of it. They were able to get a lot more weird with it and i definitely yeah. mm-hmm. oh the arms oh, oh god oh yeah <laughs> i love it and also i enjoy the backstory of freddy krueger way more than the backstory of uh-huh. oh and the rhyme i still know oh, it yeah. one two, freddy's two, coming freddy's for coming you for Grab a crucifix. <laughs> seven, eight, stay better up stay late. up late. Nine, ten, never sleep ten. again. <laughs> that's so good. Yeah, that's number nine. Yes. All right, number eight. Going back to vampires. Interview with the vampire. But ah, uh, you know, <laughs> I figured she's doing vampires. We're gonna get yeah. there. We're gonna. I mean, ah, uh, go ahead. So, talk about it talk about it i love the fact that Anne rice wrote the screenplay for this film she had fucking uh-huh. adapted her own book are you pro tom cruise lestat or anti tom i'm pro tom cruise lestat i think he did okay. an incredible job at the way that louis character in the book talked about lestat i felt it i felt tom cruise did and an excellent job um 
And I felt it was very true to, you know, what Anne Rice was doing in, in her book. Um, Brad Pitt did an incredible job. Fucking, um, why am I blinking out on her? Kristen Dunst as Claudia. I mean, still one of my, at at that that age, age, man, at that age. In fucking incredible. So, Mm-hmm. Antonio Banderas, which was kind of weird for me because Armand, he's supposed to be a lot younger, but yeah. whatever, you know, it's, it's it was fine. Mm-hmm. Just the, just the whole scene of Antonio with the through the flames and all yeah, that. I mean, know? I mean, never in a million years would I thought that any of those actors would have done a vampire film like this. But I think the way that Anne Rice has always written her vampires. And she was one of, you know, the people in the seventies to pioneer, um, at least on the novel side of Mm -hmm. things like, Oh no, like get into the humanity of vampires, even though they're inhuman by their, their very nature. And I love how, um, she always put that element of that in her books. And we, you know, we get that late later on with Lestat and everything else in, in Mm -hmm. the other books, but the interview with the vampire film, man, I, I, I don't know how many times I have seen, seen that movie, but every single time I watch it, I enjoy it just as much as the last time I just, It's one of those films where like, if I wanted to find something wrong with it, I'd really have to look in and and nitpick at it. I can't, there's nothing about this movie that I don't like. (laughs) So that the biggest scene I remember is Claudia coming out and being like, which one of you did? Which one of you made me the way (laughs) I am? I am. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah, and of course, I must give a shout out to one of my first crushes, Christian Slater. Oh, Christian Slater, yep. Hackers, what? Yeah. <laughs> what? Christian Slater did, did a great, a great job too. Yeah, I just, yeah. I'm going to give you the choice God. that I never had yeah. for Tom Cruise. <laughs> like, fucking yeah, very, yeah. very, we'll stop. But yeah, and my number eight. Yeah. Um, my number seven, The Ring. Ringo. Ringo. yeah and I mean we can say <laughs> I've seen I've seen both right but I didn't see uh, Ringu until after I had saw the ring but the ring was one of the first like horror movies I ever saw in theaters and uh, I was I think 13 at the time I went and I saw uh-huh. it with my friend Jackie and I've always uh-huh. liked horror, but for whatever reason, the psychological like element of it, it kind of really got to me. <laughs> so we went back, like her mom picked us up. We went back to her house after, and I guess her dad knew like the whole premise of the movie with the TV and seven days oh and everything God. else. So, so seven you know days. what her dad did? He like, hid behind like he hid behind the couch he had he knew we were coming home and he had already set the tv to fucking static so we walk in the tv's off and everything we go through the living room we go into the kitchen to get a drink of water and then behind us we we just hear this 
the TV's on it is there's oh. crack like and we're 13 year year old girls and we just start freaking out we're like what the fuck and then we just start oh hearing this like God. laughter like from behind the oh couch and God. it was her dad just there with the fucking remote like oh yeah so that God. is Totally fucking scarred me for life. But the scene where Samara at the end actually comes out of the TV, I still think that's one of the most terrifying scenes of all time. That and the video, like the short film, the creepy images that get put onto the tape and the music, still one of the creepiest things that I have ever seen. Mm -hmm. Like, it straddles yeah. this weird line between evil spirit and like demonic or vengeful spirit and like demonic. And what's terrifying is like at the mm-hmm. end you realize like it's it's not fucking done. It is it is a curse, mm-hmm. right? That is a ring. Nice. Number seven. Nice. Very <clears throat> number good six. Choice. Oh, going back to vampires again. <laughs> of what course. we do in the shadows, the TV show. Oh my god. <laughs> We did the we movie, did the in the podcast. podcast. Yeah. I just, you know, I, my. I saw so many superb owl jokes superb this owl. past yeah. weekend. The superb yeah. owl. We drank these people, <laughs> but they were on drugs and now I'm a wizard. <laughs> like, so <laughs> my boyfriend and I, we watched that entire series together and he's not a vampire person whatsoever but that's the beauty of this show you don't need to be a vampire person to enjoy it because there's so much comedy and I thought it was genius of them adding in the character of Colin who's an emotional vampire and Colin is yeah my boyfriend's favorite character he thinks Colin is so hilarious because he's so twisted he I think he's the most twisted one out of the entire bunch um I love this TV show so much. I want to do a Vampire the Masquerade campaign, but do it what we do in the shadow style. Just be fucking... But don't they all kind of end up that I, way anyway? Depending. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to be like bumbling, like newbie vampires or something like that. But yeah, that's number six. What we do in the shadows TV show. Nice. And now nice. we're on to our top... Five, and we're gonna switch on and off. Yeah, we're gonna switch it. Number five. Five. We have our first match where we picked the same thing. Did we? Actually, we did. Oh, there we go. That's why you were making that face. I'm like, why is she making that face? Out we, have our first, <laughs> we have our first match. We have our first match. Yeah, for all the reasons you said. All the reasons you said. The snark, the makeup, Robert England, the kills, the funniness, the, you know, the, it's in the dream. And, you know, they can do so much weird stuff with it. Like, I remember so many kills from that. The one in the pool the one where the chick was eating the one where the kid was like a comic artist and he got cut up like paper. I mean, like, I just remember so many things. The end with the top 
um, that was actually like Freddie's sweater. And then he comes out and grabs the mom mm-hmm. in the door. And like, of course, being Johnny Depp being sucked into the bed. And like, you know, I mean, just John Saxon uh, playing yeah. the dad. Um, you know, I mean, and, and the aspect of it, that the fact that these parents knew and what they did and, and, you know, starting talking about like Freddie needs you, like the whole idea of it, like Freddie needs your fear in order to survive. You know, if he's forgotten, he goes away. But as soon as he's remembered, as soon as your name passes the lips, he starts to get a hold and mm-hmm. everything like that. But yeah, Nightmare on Elm Street. I mean, we talked about it, so I'm not going <laughs> to go down. But yeah, number it's in my top five. Yeah. It has to be. I love all of them. My favorite being Dream Warriors and the first one. But I love them all, even up to, to Freddy versus Jason. Um, you know, like, I, I, I just love Freddy. Love I love Robert England as Freddy. Um, you know, I, 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 I did not watch the remake of The Nightmare on Elm Street because I just, I don't know. The one with um, the guy who played Rorschach. I, um, I refuse to the watch the remake. Movie. I like then the nightmare on elm street where they revisit it and they bring nancy back and everything else that one yeah. i thought was really great remake i pretend doesn't exist i actually forgot it existed until you just mentioned it so yeah <laughs> mm-hmm. yep number five cool. nightmare on elm street all right. right my number five it's a book it's called hex um by oh. oh my gosh hold on uh, i need to look it up so hex by thomas old Hevelt. Hevelt. um i love this one because it takes the trope of like a supernatural witch that's haunting a small town and flips it on his head um so everybody in the town knows that there's a witch they even have like a surveillance team made up of members of the town to track this witch and they have protocols of what happens when the witch is around and it's this witch she's like 300 whatever years old she was um or people hundreds of years ago tried to murder her but then she just wouldn't die so she's stumbling around all old looks like a corpse she's got chains on and and everything else um people who move to this town cannot leave because bad things happen um but all the all the teens and all the kids that grow up there they want to be able to leave this small town life and they don't take the threat of this witch very seriously so they start to fuck with her and then bad shit happens yes i don't know it is very good Literally, Sweet. well, I mean, a page, yeah, literally five. a page turner. It was really fun, really refreshing to like read a witch story done differently, done in the modern era. And who man does shit hit the fan in this book? It is so good. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Although nice. I'm gonna warn everybody right now, if you decide to read this, just be prepared for a dog dying. A dog dies in it, yes. At the hands of the witch. I know some people, a little. 
Yeah. I'm one of them, you know, I'll watch Saw or, you know, Human Centipede, <laughs> like, whatever, but you get a dog mm-hmm. involved and I'm like, eh. Yeah. I still haven't watched John Wick only for that reason, because someone warned me that a dog dies. But see, the dog dies at the beginning and then John Wick gets pissed off and then the rest of the movie is just him fucking killing people. Revenge Revenge for the dog, dog, which was a gift from his dead wife. So, Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, you know, it gets vindicated. That is the only movie that I think (laughs) has ever done or like any media that has ever done a dog's death correctly is John Wick. All right. <laughs> but yeah, Sweet. but at least in Hex, you don't see anything. It's just the dog disappears. Oh, okay. And I mean, they find it later, but they, oh, okay. yeah, it's, it's done right. in the least graphic way possible to fit within the narrative. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. You know what one was really <clears throat> hard? The one in Legend. Oh, with Will Smith. Oh, nope. People, stop <laughs> killing dogs in your movies for no reason. Okay, at least in Hex, <laughs> there was a reason for it, so I forgive it, okay? In John Wick, there's a fucking reason for it, so I forgive it. Just stop killing dogs just to get an emotional reaction out of people because you're going to make people cry Mm -hmm. and then you're going to make them angry okay i'm done danny what's your number four (laughs) okay my number four is representing the classics the very their classics (gasps) oh yes so good that's a good I watched that way too young. I think probably. I think we all did. <laughs> like, I mean, just that movie, man. I just everything about it. Just you know, the creepy TV static, as you pointed out, in the ring can be very yeah. uh, can be very affecting. You know, the little girl, and what makes it even creepier is the backstory: the the girl dying like oh, really yeah. young and stuff like that. The, the actress and you know the the toys the creepy toys in the kids room and like you know the skeletons at the end and then you know uh zelda uh, <laughs> you know this house is clear <laughs> oh fuck carry <Carrie> <laughs> I just, I love it. I love it. I watch it way too young. It affects a lot of, of the stuff that I do um, as well. Uh, just in terms of building yeah. up tension. That's really what it affected me at. Like, I was really tense watching that movie. The suspense, you know, and the, and the like, what's, what's happening to this family? And then, you know, all the bodies at the end and they built it over an Indian, you know, burial ground, you know, and all this other stuff. And they never moved the bodies. Like, yep. Uh, cemetery. Oh, yes. Yeah, so, I uh, mean, yeah, I just, yeah, it had to be number four. Excellent. It had to be, I watched it with my dad. Way too young, that probably. That is an excellent choice. Um, I feel like... Yeah, my dad was a... Yeah, my parents divorced mm. when I was 10. And so I watched a lot of stuff with my dad. 
um, you know, because my I actually my dad had custody of me and poltergeist was one of them. And I remember I can remember exactly where I was when I saw it sitting on this <laughs> plaid green couch that we had that was horrible fabric not soft at all it was like this polyester yeah. and whatever green pattern it's gross I don't know 70s whatever sitting with my dad total darkness 10 or 11 years old sitting with my dad right next to my dad light tv flickering just in the darkness <laughs> and and watching um so it had that's to be awesome. number four that's awesome I all right, what about you? my number four, another book. Uh, book one of Mira Grant's News Flesh series called Feed. I've heard so much so about that series, but I've never read it. Good. And I mean, you want to talk about zombie lore, not only done right, but done in a fresh and original way. That is is this entire series. Like, I'm still mm. sick of zombies personally because of the Walking Dead fever, but I will recommend anybody read this book because it's different. It's like, yes, they're in a post-apocalyptic world. Zombies are still an issue, but they are a fact of life. And the three main characters run this blog where they post stuff about anything from zombies and fiction stuff. They talk about um, political things that are happening in the country at the time. And they're very much like this underground or not really underground because in this, uh, this, in this world, there's no more like traditional news sites because of the, apocalypse but the internet is still a thing so their blog is one of the biggest ones in the nation and people tune in from everywhere to watch their coverage and everything else and and two of the people that run it they are brother and sister they are adopted and of course the opening scene is the brother just poking at zombies and like messing with them and they're filming this footage for their side and everything and then as everything goes on it turns into this political corruption scandal so it's almost like this investigative journalism thing with zombies in it it's and you being a journalist i can see why yeah but i mean i've i read this years ago before I was even a journalist, but the way that this is done, it is so, yeah, it's just so unique. And the theory behind how the zombie virus came to be in this world is they figured out the cure for the common cold and they got a cure for cancer. But somehow these two things kind of combined in people and it caused a mutation and turned people into zombies. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, and then the, the other two books, as it goes along, like the second book is like split between science fictiony and zombies. And then the third book is more science fictiony and deals with like cloning. And that's the only thing I'm going to say about it because not only 
is this a series that you will read back to back to back because it is that engaging, but each book builds on itself. And it's so, it's so Mm. hard to talk about the second and third book in a vacuum because you Mm -hmm. end up spoiling the ending of the previous book. So as much as I want to talk about the rest of the series, it's like, I can't because I am ruining everything going into the second and third Mm. book. So I'm going to have to read that. I mean, I've I've heard it come by lists a lot, like when I'm seeing and I, I know of it and I've heard, no, it's really like a lot of people love it. I just haven't gotten around to it, but I definitely will have to. It's so good. And it's a quick, they're quick reads too. Even though like the, the paperbacks book are about like this thick, but oh God, it's so much fun. It's just, and it's Mira Grant just created a totally immersive world with believable characters, even though it's just zombies aren't fucking real, but man, I was so invested in every single thing mm-hmm. that when some big events happened in it, yeah, did I cry? Yes. <laughs> but, <laughs> well, that's yeah. how you know it's good. Anyways, that, that, that's my number four. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> number three. Oh, what's number three? three. 13 oh, Ghosts. Oh my God, I haven't seen that one in so long. <laughs> I, I, you know, people will be like, 13 ghosts is that high up. Let me tell you, I could write essays, essays about this movie. I could write essays. It has to be number three. I love everything about it. I I adore the actors. I adore Tony Shalhoub. I've loved him ever since Big Night and watching Monk. And he's done so many. He's just so fantastic. And he took this thing and and he made it, made you feel it, even though it was this, you know, horror movie. You know, it had F. Murray Abraham in it, you know, I mean, who's also so fantastic. I mean, if you ever saw Species, if you ever saw yes. any of that stuff, I mean, you know, I mean, just, I love him. And, and let me tell you, I could write essays about Matthew Lillard because I absolutely love Matthew, Matthew Lillard, Lillard is legit. His, like, he's legit. And his performance in this movie. I mean, you know, you think about it. It's this horror movie and you have this guy who can feel spirits yeah. and you, Matthew Lillard took that role and the lines he was given, which could have been done campy, which could have been done melodramatic, which could have been done over the top. But the way that it came out, my heart broke yeah. for him. Here's this guy who's on medication just so that he can feel like he's grounded in reality. You know, you think that he's never had relationships because as he puts it, he's like, I touched somebody and a lifetime of shit just goes into my head. You know, you maybe think I'm depraved, but he was, but Sears was my friend, you know, and, and he was being used by the only person who wouldn't treat him like a monster or a freak, you know? 
And, you know, some of the, and he was funny too, even despite all that. I remember the scene where he's just sitting there with his pill bottle, just like leaning with it against his head and just trying to figure out, like, I felt all of that. And then, of course, funny, mm-hmm. you know, the, the part where, where he goes, did I say there was a petting <laughs> zoo down there? No, I said there were ghosts mm-hmm. down there just everything and and the ghost each one of them had their own story like if you have the dvd and they made this beautiful art book and if you watch the dvd they have backstories for all of these ghosts and how they were caught and stuff like that you know and and um and, and you know another really out of the wall like like you know funny stuff like the lawyer gets split with the the glass and then the, the nanny later's like what happened to the lawyer he split <laughs> you know after he gets split in half with glass and then like uh the the angry princess like behind the daughter when she's looking yeah. at the mirror and like the juggernaut the way that they did again practical effects of the makeup for the ghosts and how they looked and all of them were different. And like I said, if you watch the DVD, they have all this thing about the backstories and stuff and how um, they, they all got caught and everything. And like I said, you know, and Tony Shalhoub's performance, his wife got burned and they find out they're yeah. all trapped there and everything like that. And just the idea of the, of the, of the house itself being the ritual and everything like that. I mean, like I said, I think I think it is vastly underrated as a horror movie. I think a lot of movies that came after it took, I mean, this is a stretch and some people are like, what the hell is she talking about? But I truly believe that a lot of stuff that came after it, you can see elements of it because it, I thought it was very visually cool with the rooms on the glass and the very strange house mm-hmm. that they created and the setting and everything. And um yeah, and, and especially though the standout of Matthew Lillard's performance um, in that as this, this very troubled man who's been given a gift that has been nothing but a curse and yeah. not a gift to be tormented like that, you know? And when he, and, and he really, when he was having the effects of it, you really felt his pain and stuff like that. And I thought that was so fascinating and something that's rarely delved into. And uh, one of the cool moments was I actually got to meet Matthew Lillard at Gen Con. So I got to meet him and have a picture with him and got to tell him how much I love that movie and his performance and the other stuff that he's done um, because I just love him and everything he does. So um, yeah, so I love 13 Ghosts. I love Matthew Lillard in it. I love Tony Shalhoub. I love the ghosts. I love the story. I love the practical effects. Awesome. I love it. I own it. <laughs> I love it. I own it. <laughs> I love it. I own it. It's my jam. So oh, it's I'm number three. Like I know of it, but I've never <laughs> ever seen it. <laughs> it, it. I mean, you may look at it and be like, "What is Danny talking about?" But like, it's personal. Like you can never tell when something's yeah. really gonna like speak to you. You know, like you know, something just hits you, and you're like, "This is my thing. Okay. I get this." this is this is our absolutely me, you know? and 13 goes i mean it's fine i fucking love the vampire diaries so <laughs> <That's fine. laughs> oh my god my number three so it's another video game outlast uh-huh. from red barrels oh no <laughs> let me tell you my blood pressure 
in that game, like adrenaline, like pit yeah. of stomach, nausea in that game. But go ahead. And, that is and exactly it. why it is so why? high up on my list. I mean, yes, I like the story <laughs> that you're a journalist and you're going to investigate this abandoned asylum that isn't really abandoned yeah. first of all me being a journalist if I got an assignment to go investigate an abandoned an abandoned asylum guess what I'm doing fuck yeah I'm investigating <laughs> that so my mistake number one right but what I like about Outlast is and this is Soma and many other games like Amnesia and even Outlast 2 and Layers of Fear, um, they all do their scares very well. But Outlast is the only one that I think has not only um, a greater variety of scares, but you get fucking scared throughout the entire thing. It just doesn't let up. And it does not. I'm telling you, like, I literally had to stop because I felt like I was going to pass out. Like, I mean, you're just sitting there playing and you know, just your, your heart and you just feel like you're like sweating. And like I said, your stomach is just like, you know, just like in knots. You've just got that adrenaline going, you know, like running away from so many things like fucking when like you first get into the asylum and like one of the first rooms you enter, which is the library i think the fucking dead body from the news just like drops down and the music goes goes up oh my god like i flew out of my chair literally because i mean i was expecting shit but i wasn't prepared for that like right there they just mm-hmm. throw you into it and mm-hmm. whoo that Combined with, again, I I apparently like the asylum trope, you know, the crazy thing maybe just because like I'm very much interested in serial killer research and all of those stories and mm-hmm. true crime and everything else. But also with Outlast, there's a hardcore Catholicism undertone with it. Mm-hmm. And it's there in Outlast 2 as well. So, I mean, Red Bear, like, they, that one just hits all of the right notes for me, and it taps into something very deep and personal, especially growing (laughs) up Catholic, and the kind of, like, now, I'm, I'm not saying that Catholicism leads to mental illness or anything like that, but one of the things that I think a lot or many Catholics, especially that are my age or older, could probably agree on is the whole trope of Catholic guilt. And then just... Yeah. I grew yeah. up Catholic, so we've talked yeah, about that just, before. Uh, when we watched oh, the, uh, the Lodge. lodge. Right, when we yeah. the Lodge, that one. we talked about that quite a bit. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah she, like, the face that was um, But just <laughs> having that sort of like overwhelming guilt like you're doing something wrong it's like insanity Uh light and putting that 
in an insane asylum. I'm like, yeah, there are times growing up where I feel like everybody's telling me that this is bad, but I don't feel like this. And then, you know, having people come in and out of my life and, you know, mental abuse and gaslighting and everything else, Mm -hmm. like, this one just fucking nails it. And I think you got to be in a really good emotional place to play it. Um, or just have had a really perfect life and just need a couple scares to shake you up a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> batteries, my oh batteries my are running low. Dude, oh my God. That, that is the most terrifying batteries, part. Batteries. Just that anxiety <laughs> of like, trying to conserve my battery we'll blink in the dark and like wandering around in the dark but like you can't see a goddamn thing so it's like a damn gotta hurry to the next spot but then you turn the wrong corner and like something pops out at you yeah it's just outlast is delicious i really i literally thought i would i'm like well i can't take this i was like i don't even know if i have heart problems but you have them now like Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. Something I didn't talk about when I talked about Nightmare on Elm Street. But, you know, since you're kind of getting a little bit more personal and it's kind of funny, I did talk about my dad and I and my and um, Poltergeist. And so, you know, these these top five, I think, are very personal for us in a lot of ways. It's sounding like and, um, you know, Nightmare on Elm Street, I didn't talk about, but I've I've had sleep paralysis since my 20s. And so Nightmare on Elm Street and the whole dream factor and not just really, you know, like it, it adds this other, you know, like when you can't, when, when there's things in your dreams you don't want to have, or you wake up and you're in this, in this dreaming and waking and you can't move and you see shit and you think mm-hmm. somebody's there or somebody's on your chest or something like that. It's like, you feel it, you know, you feel it. It's just been interesting how these past couple have been, uh, you know, really personal yeah. for us. And, you know, with 13 ghosts, it was, you know, I can, I can understand a lot of, I think I really allotted to Matthew Lillard's character. Cause I kind of felt a lot that way of being you know I was never popular in school or anything like that you know so I felt that of being alone and like latching on to the first person who shows you any kindness or interested in you no matter if they're abusing you or taking advantage of you or not yeah story of a lot of my past relationships hey I get it yay (laughs) Yay, trauma (laughs) yeah I totally get it (laughs) Oh yeah, Outlast. Outlast is a fun time. All right, what is your number two? Number two, video game. (gasps) Eternal Darkness. Oh, GameCube. It had to be my number two. It had to be. It had to be. It was everything, and it's personal to me. In that, you know, I guess I'm going to come back to that. Is like. I had such a good time playing it with my best friend and not only in college and I had a GameCube and we played it together and we would switch off the characters and stuff like that. So I have very fond personal memories of playing that game and I played it many times before then and I've turned other people onto this game and watching them play it and enjoy it even however many years that it's been since that game was made decades um, always gives me joy because it still holds up. 
it's still that game still holds up and the story is so good i mean it's lovecraft Mm -hmm. in a video game you know the idea of like playing all these characters in time and a lot of their stories ended tragically and uh the idea that you have different um meters for them magic sanity health they all had different meters and the sanity effects i mean the sanity effects i mean come on like that's the whole thing with eternal darkness not only would it mess with you in the game but it would mess with the player and and stuff like that and it made me think my tv was shutting off or that it was erasing my save game or that you know (laughs) it would turn off the sound or you'd walk into a room and you'd be a zombie and stuff like that you know paintings would follow you the walls would be bleeding you'd hear whispering and all that stuff you know but all the different stories and the places you went you would see them at different times and just the story it wove together about humanity coming together and struggling against the darkness. And everyone did something to kind of bring Alex Royvis to this moment where, you know, she takes all that they had done, all the tragedy that they had suffered and stuff like that. And they all had different stories and they all had a purpose and everything. And yeah, and like I said, I just have very fond memories of playing that game. And the story was so well done, so well written. The mechanics were great. Um, it may, it felt like it was perfect for the game and how to play and the spells and everything like that. And, you know, every character from Maximilian Roivas to the grandpa, to the fireman, to, um, the, the squire to, yeah, Anthony, the squire to, you know, brother Uther to the photojournalist in World War II, you know, they just made all these stories just kind of come together and they all felt different, but all part of a bigger, a bigger story, you know, so you never were bored. It was never repetitive, you know, it was just a perfect mix of action and puzzles and figuring things out and being curious and everything like that. Like I said, I had very fond memories of playing it with one of my best friends in school. That's so a, that's a number good number two. game to put up on your list. <laughs> I played that like a long time ago. I don't remember that much from it, but most of the games like I played when I was younger, I just played by myself. So there's if if we were doing like a total just generic like video game list, um that might be on there but yeah cool so that was your my number two two? movie silence of the lambs (gasps) i mean you know me like i love the investigative aspect um had i taken a different path in life i might have been uh fbi investigator Um, But then there's, you know, the issue of mental illness and serial killer and Buffalo Bill and uh, nibus lotion in the basket. Like I just constantly, constantly, I have an entire house in the Sims that I built and a character that I made. I made the Buffalo Bill house in the Sims like that. This is how much I fucking love this movie. Right. But I think what I love about it is in kind of a twisted way, you learn a lot about the human condition, human nature from Dr. Lecter. And what's mm-hmm. 
crazy is, at least for me, this is one of the first movies that I ever watched where I found myself not identifying with the villain, but basically being like, oh my God, like, you're right. You're, you're psychotic. You eat people, you know, but you're kind of right about this and human nature and everything else. And again, if I was in the, pl- in the position of Clarice Sterling and I had to go to a known psychopath to get information on a serial killer, oh, fuck yeah, I'd be the first one to volunteer for that. Because I think on some level, mm. I'm, I'm probably just as crazy because not, not that I ever want to be best friends with these people, but they're, the way that their mind works just absolutely fascinates me. And I don't know if it's, you know, I have never been able to quite explain it myself. Maybe it's a byproduct from my Catholic up, upbringing, but I've always had a fascination with that kind of like psychopath mentality. Maybe on a subconscious level, it's a self-preservation thing. Learn how to recognize the, the, the psychopaths, which I think, you know, notwithstanding a lot of my past relationships and some of them had major issues. Um, but I... Mm-hmm you know, at least was fortunate enough to know how to avoid the really bad ones. So, and I think also, Mm -hmm. you know, so maybe, you know, I'm always been drawn to psychopath, the Mm -hmm. serial killer, you know? Yeah. I mean, Jodie Foster and Anthony That was a magical duo, like, right there. And, you know, yeah, there's all of the other ones, but I don't think that they could compare to the first one. And I mean, this, God, just the guts that Clarice Sterling had to go over to Buffalo Bill's house, like kind of by herself, you know, to walk in and talk to the serial killer before she knew he was the serial killer. I'm like, oh man, I feel like I've spiritually been in those positions before. So it, it's just, it's, and I mean, on a cinematic level, on a screenplay level, this one, it just has everything in it. It has psychological horror. It's a thriller. It has drama. It has scares you know it has awesome acting um and if you go to the uh hollywood museum i think that's what it's called in la it's in the old max factor building off of hollywood and vine i think um i've been there Mm -hmm. twice but in their basement level it's it's all dedicated to costumes and props and scenes from horror movies well you know you know the scene Ooh. where Jodie Foster uh goes to see Anthony Hopkins in like that gel cell thing mm-hmm. they have that entire set there 
Yeah. Oh, so nice. some, some of the cells you can actually like walk into like the very first one with the padded room and uh, everything else. And then at the very end, they have a metal chair there that you can sit in and look at Hannibal Lecter's like room with the plexiglass, um, the, the, the little mail slot opens in a closes mm-hmm. um they have his costume hanging up in there from from that that scene so i also think for me being able to go and walk on that actual set that is archived in this mm-hmm. museum and be able to actually see in person how this you know scene was filmed i think it just made that mm-hmm. maybe connect to that film a lot a lot more so and now we're to our number one good number two good number two we are number one this is probably going to come as Mm -hmm. no surprise uh Mm -hmm. my number one i mean i had to i mean it was the first one because there could be nothing else of course stephen king (laughs) <laughs> is it Carrie or is it The Shining? Yeah. Oh, just, just Stephen just King. Stephen King just everything. everything, yeah. <laughs> just, just everything. Just, it's everything because I could just make a list of Stephen King. So I was like, to be fair to everything else, I had to, to, to just yeah. make it Stephen King and everything. And and I mean, I have five shelves of his books next to me. Um, I got first introduced. Stephen King is very personal to me so again that's why I had to be my number one I was very Mm -hmm. sick as a kid uh I have a genetic condition and when I was young it affected me a lot I had to go to the doctors every month I was pulled out of school a lot and stuff and you know you get poked and prodded by doctors and stuff like that I was on hormone therapy and and just a whole bunch of stuff so I read a lot and my parents didn't like stop me from reading as I mentioned that Christopher Pike you know my parents just let me read whatever I wanted because you know it kept me quiet you know we had to drive to see the specialist and stuff like that so they were long car rides and then you know having to have tests and stuff like that and everything and I was you know uh, 10 years old maybe and um I was in the library and I had been reading some scary stuff mm-hmm. like R.L. Stein and stuff like that. Some of this stuff for kids and stuff like that. And, but I was a very fast reader. Um, you know, when I was about that age, I had like a senior level reading Dang comprehension. <laughs> so I was reading, I could read way beyond, you know, like I have a picture somewhere of me reading insomnia <laughs> and I was so little that I couldn't hold the book up that I had to yeah because like, that's a huge book you know I called it the <laughs> maker, and I was so little that I would have to sit in the chair sideways and prop it up on my legs so that I could read it but I read it and my my librarian Mrs. Hershey um smelled just like the chocolate you know I remember her and god bless librarians because you know they, they do a service and helping kids like myself and um she said hey you might like this because at that point you know I was reading R.L. Stein but I was also reading like Edgar Allan Poe and stuff like that and she gave me mm. Carrie 
first book yes. I read by Stephen King. That was uh, mine was too. And in the Carrie, yeah. yeah, and she gave it to me. And the first few pages, it talked about Carrie White being bullied at school and everything like that. And I think I mentioned when I was talking about 13 Ghosts or when I had come back to how personal this stuff was that I did not do well in school yeah. with having friends and stuff like that. So the whole scene where they're throwing tampons at her in the being middle of the book and in the beginning of the book and, and she doesn't know what's going on and she's crying and they're just bullying her and being assholes. And I felt that. And then after that, it said Carrie White's birthday was September 21st, 1971, uh? which is my birthday and Stephen King's birthday. And I didn't know it at the time. I didn't find out until a few years later that we shared the same birthday, but it was just this convolution of things made me feel like this book was like yeah. meant for me, you know? And so, and in the end, you know, Carrie dies, but she dies mm-hmm. on her own terms. You know, she didn't let her mother or the kids at school or whatever dictate who she should be or anything like that. So it, it was kind of brave and kind of heroic. And a lot of, and so I've read Stephen King and Stephen King and every, and everything I read by Stephen King, I found characters that I could relate to that felt like me, that felt like, that felt like outcasts, that felt like real people and situations and stuff. And then of course, you know, the horror and the things that he came up with, with ordinary, you know, items and stuff like that. And often, you know, sometimes it's how horrible people can be. And how messed up things can be rather than like the supernatural stuff. And I found that so much of his stuff had so much deeper meaning. You know, everyone talks about it, right? And they talk about the killer clown and, you know, and all this scary stuff and the kid orgy at the end, Mm -hmm. right? But there's something so literary and something that so captured what it's like to be a kid and be an outsider and be a loser, so to speak, that, you know, parents inflict these, this pain on their kids for things that they can't control, you know, being obese or stuttering or just being a girl, you know, or being black or being, you know, whatever, you know, and that really spoke to me when I read that stuff. And, you know, that, that, that stuff that, you know, that people mostly think of like, you know, oh, the clown and, and, you know, and all these other scenes and the scary stuff and, you know, but at a deeper level, it's about being a kid and growing up and losing your innocence. And so much of his stuff has that at the core. And I think that's so underappreciated when people talk about Stephen King. And that's the stuff I love about it. I mean, the scary part is, is you know, everyone is watching me like get all emotional talking about <laughs> Stephen King. Um, but, you know, I mean, even if you look at the stuff that isn't horror, like the Shawshank Redemption or The Body, or anything like that that he's written, or The Green Mile, even though it had supernatural elements in it. But there's just something about the human pain, human pain that he can capture that's so real, that's so very, very real, that it just, it just like made me feel like at that age that somebody understood, you know? Because when when you're a kid and you're sick, you know, people, people talk around you a lot. 
you know, the sugarcoat things, you know, oh, it's not that bad. You know, it's not going to hurt that much. You know, you're not that sick. You know, it's not that bad. They try to be Mm -hmm. like sunshine and light and stuff like that. But reading Stephen King made me think like, no, it's not okay. And I know it's not okay because kids are smarter than you give them credit for. And they know when stuff is wrong. And Stephen King was like, I felt like the only person or the only thing in my life that was telling me like, no, the world can be shit sometimes. And it's not fair. Yeah. You know, but you're not helpless, you know, and, but it can suck sometimes. Like the only one who acknowledged that I didn't feel like I was being talked down to, you know, so I'm almost teary, but that's why Stephen King's my number one. That's a good number one to have. Yeah. And I think... (laughs) I got to meet yeah, him too. And that was like one wonderful. of the best nights. So. Anything also like just, and before we get to my number one and I ruin the entire moment that we're having right now because of what my number one is, but I don't know. It might, <laughs> might not. I think it's also important for everybody to remember that, you know, as we mentioned at the start of this podcast which was only supposed to last an hour but you can't make these we're on awesome I love it (laughs) and you know the further up the list we go like the more personal it gets and I think when you come up with these lists it's important to realize like you know these are people's personal picks for a reason and you may not agree with what they have there but just listen to why it's important to them and why they connected with it and just respect it you know like I saw something on Twitter today or maybe you think I wrote something today I don't remember everything blurs together but it's you know like you know stop shitting on things that people like just because you hate it and I'm totally guilty of this um but it's something that I've really have been trying to work hard on like not to do um but everybody's allowed to like what they like you know you may not get it but that's okay you know and with this fucking crazy world we live in now any healthy way that you can get some joy into your life, you know, just encourage people Mm -hmm. to keep finding that joy, to keep doing what makes them happy. And if that means, you know, reading a Stephen King novel so they can feel heard and understood, you know, or going down memory lane to some better times with watching the vampire diaries, you know, that's Mm -hmm. just, let them be happy. Yeah. As we see all these things through the lenses of our personal yeah. experience, you know, I remember reading Pet Cemetery at the hospital, you know, like, you know, I mean, and, and so I've been a fan for years. I've always supported Stephen King. I have practically everything he's ever written and he never ceases to make me feel like, you know, yeah. like I'm heard, 
you know, like, like he's a real person and like, he understands as he's writing what people, you know, what people go through or what they might feel and stuff like that. And that's why, you know, sometimes I won't say anything, but I still see people like dismiss Stephen mm-hmm. King as trash or whatever. And he's super popular. I mean, yeah. for a reason, you know, I mean, he's prolific, you know, every, he's legendary and everything for a reason. But for me, I just can't imagine like, because despite, because yes, I do like all the horror stuff that he puts in there. But more beyond it, that's not why I like Stephen King. I like Stephen King because I see the themes and I see the people that he writes about. Yeah. And I feel that, you know, you know, like I feel it, you know, like, you know, I just do. And I see the merit and the layers within it and the depth that he can get to in a lot of his stuff, you know? So when people dismiss him as like the literary equivalent of Mac and Fries or like, you know, just a trash populist writer. I'm like, you know, it just doesn't, yeah. it just doesn't resonate with me. I just don't agree with it because, you know, yeah, he writes popular stuff. But that doesn't mean it's not like important and it's popular yeah. for a reason. You know, people love him for a reason. It's popular yeah. for a reason, you know, and for the record, he was very nice to me. Amazing. When I him, so yeah, <laughs> and I was like a big, big bucket list goal to meet him. And I told him we had the same birthday and he was like, oh, you, me and H.G. Wells. And I was like, oh my God, he put me in the same sentence as H.G. Wells. I love and that so much. Yeah. He was super nice and I made him feel good. <laughs> Cause I was trying to think yeah. of what I would say, right? You know, because it's like my author, you yeah. know, this person who was so important to me that I'd never met before. So I decided I was going to say, you know, I've been a constant reader since yeah. I was 12, you know, just to let him know that I've been reading him a long time and everything. And he looked at me and he's like, when was that? Five years Flatterer. ago. Flatterer. <laughs> seven- and yeah. I was 30 at the time when I met him and I was like, oh my God. And I was like, actually, no, I'm, I'm 30. And he goes, oh, geez. You know, like I made him feel old. And I was like, oh God, no, abort, abort. Yeah. But then I was like, actually, we have the same birthday. And he was like, September 21st. And I was like, yeah. And he was like, awesome. You mean HG Wells. And then the cop was looking at me really weird. So I was like, okay, I'll take Fucking cop ruining the moment. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, Mm -hmm. yeah. So that was my number one. And now I'm teary oh, and I crap. need a tissue. All right. <laughs> My number, number one. So I will preface this by saying it is another vampire thing. And I've been thinking about why the fuck do I like vampires so much? This. So this particular thing I was introduced to when I was in high school. And this was the same time I really started getting into Anne Rice and I really started like going through my goth phase and everything else. And I think on some level, Danny, I can relate to you with the whole outcast thing, friend thing. I didn't really, you know, find my friends until maybe like my sophomore, junior year of high school. And those, a a lot of those friends I'm still close friends with today. Um, You know, I was, I always felt like an outcast at at home, I, you know, at school, um, you know, wasn't necessarily bullied to my face, but people 
talk shit behind my back a lot and I like heard it later. Um, and then even goes back to like, um, like sixth grade, I have this memory where I, it was after school and the pop of the girls were there and they like invited me to like go play on the soccer field with them. And it was a school that my mom taught at. And one of the girls, her mom um, was an office assistant in the ed admissions office. So, and I thought it was like, oh, cool. Let me go get, get my backpack and I'll meet you guys over here. Uh, get my backpack go out to the soccer field. <laughs> Nobody there. Yeah. Oh no. They played a nice little lovely trick on me. So I think oh a lot of kids, kids are, are fucking so cool, cool, man. Sometimes. Yeah. There's a bunch of like other shit that's like happened too. And if I were to, yeah, I mean, I got tripped <sighs> on the bus. I got, called yeah, I got um like, my senior cool. year in high school. Um, and it had been a while since I did theater, but I decided it's my senior year. Fuck it. I'm going to like audition for a play. And the play that we, we, we were doing was Thornton Wilder's Our, Our Town. So you know how tiny I am. I went out for the role of Rebecca Gibbs, the little sister. Mm-hmm. And there were yeah. literally 20 other girls that were going out for the same part. And I think like maybe three or four of them were part of like the popular group in high school i beat out every single one of those motherfuckers and i got the role and the popular girls were so fucking pissed they talk so much shit about me and i'm like y'all have never even had a conversation with me but it doesn't matter because i got the part and you did it what up no Um, so (laughs) i've just you know have always felt until I, you know, had started meeting like people who liked horror and video games. And even though I had people like that in high school, it was mostly dudes. So even still, mm-hmm. I felt pretty alone because there was nobody that was a chick who liked what I liked. And then slowly but surely it started mm-hmm. to all come together. But the whole vampire thing, that became a huge deal for me because that was my escapism, right? I just latched on to anything that was a vampire because vampires to me, gosh, they were immortal. They could do whatever they wanted. They, could, they wanted, you know, yeah, yeah. It, it, they were, they were sexy. sexy. They, they were cool. They... You know, if anybody gave, gave them shit, you know, they would just... It's just, eat them. Just, just eat them. Just eat them. Right? So, you know, <laughs> but also growing up on Anne Rice, it was nice to have all that depth as well that you didn't really get in like earlier vam- vampire um, lore. Um, we're talking like early, early, early stuff. Um, so I really latched onto it, especially like the character of Louis because you know, mm-hmm. fucking outcast. Uh, Louis Lestat, they were all kind of turned against their will and they're having to cope with this new mm-hmm. reality. So your number one no. is Anne Rice? I'm or leading up to oh, it. Okay. So we're getting there. We're I was introduced there. to a very important video game in high school when it came out and it introduced me to an entire world of role playing both tabletop 
and computer. And I'm talking about Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Uh, that's your number one that's amazing. that is my number one that's amazing. that is my number one and to me this was unlike any vampire lore i had ever read and there were so many clans and so many storylines that i just instantly latched onto, and all of the social mm-hmm. hierarchy and the philosophy mm-hmm. good versus evil and all the gray in between oh my god i was like a kid in a candy store you know and still to this nice. day i it's still one of my favorite video games of all of all time mine too Mine too. Yeah, I talked about that a yeah. bit because I put white and I try. I was like, number nine don't say anything. Had don't say anything because this is your number one. You can't. You can't. <laughs> so, um, yeah, this it it, it fuck like this yeah. was there. What clan uh, did first you play? clan I picked? I was a uh, Toriador. Cause this was also around, yeah, also around the time Same. I was getting into writing and the arts and everything else. And then, um, played a Malkavian and then went Tremere. I mean, mm-hmm. I played all of the clans, but. Oh yeah. How cool was it that like the voices would like talk to you and shit? Like you could say the weirdest shit as an yeah. I mean, that wasn't in, um, <laughs> the original version that came out because they had to cut a lot of stuff for time and there were bugs and everything. But when you. Right. But they went yeah, back there's, and they, um, like yeah. somebody went back and they put all that stuff in. So when I played that again for the first time as a Malkavian, like a year or two ago, the way it was meant to be played, I was like, what the fuck is that? Like, I'm like looking around yeah. I'm like, am I hearing stuff? And I'm like, Oh shit, this is in the game. Wow. That's really clever. So it was, you know, I got to experience yeah. it all over again from like a really fresh angle as a Mal- Malkavian. And at Mm -hmm. the same time, I think the reason why I also like the Malkavians, they are my absolute favorite clan. And this was the time, this was the same time when I was diagnosed with depression and I had done a stint. I had Mm -hmm. done a 5150 stint. So it was like, all of this combined together, this game, like, got me through some serious shit in high school you know it was my escape it was something that made me feel powerful it was something that made me feel seen so kind of like your Stephen King thing this yeah I could talk about that game because like I said it was my number nine so this thing got into both our yeah top tens like I mean because the game was all part of that the role playing and the game and everything like that I mean I played Toreador first because um, I was Toreador clan all the way. I have like oh. a pin. I still have my pin. I have a Toreador pin, the rose, and I have a necklace and everything too, like a Toreador necklace and stuff. And my friend teased me when I got married yeah. um, in 2012. Uh, my friend Matt, because mm. my colors were black and red and everything. And my friend Matt, who was my GM in college uh, for LARP, for Vampire LARP, said, Oh, look at the Toreador getting married. <laughs> She's seen that I looked exactly like a Toreador. <clears throat> and he all tells the story about talking in LARP and introducing the game and being like, 
and being like, well, you know, while your clan is your clan, that isn't yeah. all you are. And, you know, you don't always have to fit in the stereotype. And well, there are certain things that are out of the realm of possibility, like a door mm-hmm. with taste. Hey. And I was like, hey, <laughs> hey, hey, what's up with that? But yeah, that game, man, there were so many good parts about that game. Like I said, like, like when I was talking mm-hmm. about the game before that, that you could do the missions in whatever way you wanted. You could yeah. seduce, like you could dominate, you could just go through and kill everything. You could stealth it, you know, any, you know, whatever option you wanted to take, like that first mission you get um, with yeah. Mercurio um, to go get the bomb stuff. I always would seduce it because I was a Toreador. So I would just seduce, talk to the dude out front of the surf's up shop and and yeah. seduce my way in and then seduce my way to the dude who had the stuff. And then I would just yeah. saunter my way out. And you I know? mean, yeah. <laughs> like, so good. And so many good as a Malkavian, so I'd be like, oh, can I intimidate? Fuck, yes. Like, just bam, done. <laughs> yeah. And it, it just, I mean, that game yeah. was really the first. It, the first art RPG that I had really uh, ever played. I mean, yeah, so there's yeah. the Matrix online and yeah, there were Star Wars galaxies, but those are online, you know, those were- I remember that. If we were talking about top video games of all time, I, oh God, like Bloodlines and Star Wars Galaxies would be both at number one. I played Star Wars yeah. Galaxy. But this game- I mean, pr- not only just it, it, it got me through a, the roughest point in my adolescence, um, but also mm-hmm. it's held up incredibly well. Yeah, it has. It really has. Like I said, there are so many cool moments and so many cool characters in there, like Beckett and like yeah. Fat Larry. Like everyone calls me a fat Larry, but the ladies told me, oh God. <laughs> yeah, it had really good moments. And then smut. Oh, Teresa oh my God, and Jeanette. Yeah. My yeah. name's Jeanette. I can tell you and I are going to get along hoses. like fire hoses. Oh, she was so great. <laughs> Smiling Jack. Smi- Jack's oh, my absolute Jack. favorite. Yeah. Um, yeah. All the all the uh, nines, Rodriguez, mm. and uh, even the prince. I mean, asshole yeah. Ventro, of course. Fucking Ventures, but yeah. you know, I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I mean, you know, I had a friend that that mm-hmm. played a Ventro a lot, so it's just really funny. Um, but yeah, you know, and there were so many missions that were cool, like the the Malkavian mansion running around. Oh, the dude, that one still scares me till this day. Oh man! Yeah. And then the haunted hotel, like the okay, yeah. now that mission, like that scary. One. Oh the my level. gosh, that one. The level design on those, though, I mean, even today still, it's still a good lesson in how you design a quest. It's just so good. Yeah. Yeah, you get a ghoul at one point if you you give her blood. Yeah, freaking. No, not not Nicole. Um, I don't know. You can call her whatever you want because you. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah, she just brings you stuff and like. Yeah, dude, I remember getting the shit scared up. You know, I'm walking into the hotel 
because Jeanette sends me over there like bitch won't go over there on her own yeah. like fucking course not so you go over there and you're going up the stairs and you drop into the basement like I scared yeah. the crap out of me so many cool missions like oh, the Romero yeah. mission the homage to Romero where you could either sleep with him <laughs> take his place or go find somebody to sleep with him. That's like what I was talking about with yeah. ways to do it. You know what I mean? He like, I want to have sex. So you're like, okay, you either have to take over for me or have sex with me or yep. find someone to have sex with me. And you're like, oh. I think every right. time I just went onto the street so, and found a, yeah. Find a hooker. Found, yeah, found a sex, sex worker. worker. Yeah, I was going to say prostitute, but I'm like, oh, that's not really correct language anymore. <laughs> yeah. Sex worker. Sex worker. Yeah. Find a sex worker. Yeah. And Venus. And oh, yeah. The one where you had to go hiding all the the um, cameras in that oh, model's yeah. apartment. You remember that one? And her and her boyfriend were home. And you had to sneak around. And then if you go back to the Nosferatu mm-hmm. after Natalia, who was the one who sent you on that mission, you look at the paper, you see she was having yep. sex with llamas. Yep. <laughs> So much good out of that. Oh, and the one where you go on the boat to get the sarcophagus. Oh, you yeah. Have to, like, go onto the boat and sneak around the boat. I, I also stuff. really like, yeah. like, the little side missions with the Thin Bloods. I, I, I felt oh, yeah. for them Those so were- bad. I'm like, I'm a, new, yeah. I'm a newbie vamp, and I'm more powerful than you, and I know more than what's going on. Like, oh, man. I feel so bad. Yeah. My favorite part was going to the uh, yeah. to Gimbal's prosthetics, and then like you kill him, and then like you get like a severed arm that you can run around and like beat people with. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it was creepy. That was creepy. Yeah. You go down there, and then you had to fight yeah. a hunter at one point. Yeah, good choice. Whenever a top five games comes up, uh, yeah, Bloodlines is one of them. Uh, Knights of the Old Republic. Uh, vampire bloodlines eternal darkness are always in my top three of games so yeah for sure so we have that in common and we have nightmare on elm street and not much else but i like that though because then we can introduce each other to a lot more things yeah i mean you said stuff i didn't know yeah, I mean, you said stuff I wasn't aware of, like this hex comic and the first oh, yeah, one had the, the short story. The machine stops, yeah, yeah and farm farmhand. Yeah. Yeah. It yeah, just means I didn't know that could one. be some more exciting stuff in our podcast future. And speaking of which, yeah. we probably um everybody's probably everybody's probably asleep hours, now. <laughs> listen to this. Could could you listen to this oh all the my way through, goodness we y'all y'all you must have a really long yeah. drive <laughs> that you're listening to podcasts on or you just really love we're us best friends we now you. um yes yeah <laughs> i mean please comment i mean it's, you made it this seriously far, if you, you made it through all three fucking hours of just us rambling on and getting all weepy eyed like <laughs> Talking about our favorite. Yeah. Tell us yours, man. Or did you did you hitch with any of ours? Like, you know, um, you know, what were some themes you would see yeah. in your own top 25 list? You know, we definitely saw themes in ours for sure. I mean, I had the pros the the practical effects and the body horror and the, you know, vampires. Joanna had the vampires <laughs> and the yeah. psychological horror and 
Oh, good you know? stuff. So yeah, yeah, it just goes to show how different we can be, but it's all good because I can still appreciate a lot of the stuff she said, yeah. even Likewise. though it didn't make my list. I knew of it and was yeah. like, yeah, good choice. Like, you know, and stuff like that, you know, so yeah. really awesome. Well, next time we'll get into someone that I put on oh. my list as very inferential who came in at number eight. We're going to be doing Whisper yeah. of Death by Christopher Pike. Um, it's a novel from 1991. I was 11 I years was old. I was four. <laughs> okay, shock. <laughs> I'm, I'm excited for this one because yeah. I haven't read it. So. Yeah. I think you'll love it. It's a quick read. Lots awesome. of relationships in this and stuff like that. I'm super excited to have you read it and me reread Yay. it. It's been a while since I've read it. So um, we'll see how it holds up many years later. But yeah, so tune in for next time. If you can follow us on Twitter at, at the box underscore podcast, you can listen to us on Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Podbean. And of course, where whichever one you're listening to us on now as well. One of those, you have other options as well. So until next time, get them in the box. <laughs> get them. Good night, everybody. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs>